Hey, this is Bert and Doug. And this is Doug Stanhope, and this is Bert. And we, this is the beginning of a two-part podcast. Maybe three-part. I don't know how long we talked. It's a two-parter. Probably an hour and a half and an hour and a half. Yeah, it it gets progressively drunker. So the best way to listen to this podcast is like House of Cards all at once. But start drinking when we start drinking at the beginning. And you'll be right with us by the end. Start with champagne, then go over to beer and vodka. Yeah, we. I went. I, I went to beer, and by the way, I loathe Heineken. Really? Yeah, I'd rather not drink than drink Heineken, but oh, it was there. I was. I'm fucking a big Heineken fan. So we started with champagne. I went to Heineken. Doug went to vodka. We stopped to go get cigarettes. That's the part you're missing. That's that, that's the end of part one, as far as we know. Yeah, and then. We did part two, and then we had dinner with the kids. And then let's watch this. Ready, I, ready, ready, ready. Here we go. Ready. This is the last week to pre-order my book, Life of the Party. So if you haven't, please get your copy at burtburtburt.com. I fucking love you. This is I love the pop of a shim. Oh, there we. That's why you don't pop it, I guess. <laughs> um, I love that. Uh, I thought I, when I worked at Barnes Noble, the first time I worked at Barnes Noble, Mar- Marilyn Manson's book came out. And uh, it was like back when I was still like, you know, frat boy, didn't really have, didn't really, hadn't experienced much of the world. And I remember the first chapter I turned to was 10 things that make you not gay. And it was like, number one, if you don't get his come on you. And I was like, wait, I, I, and in my head, I like didn't get the irony. I was like, wait, I think that makes you gay. He's like, if you don't get hard while you, while his dick's in your mouth, then you're not gay. I was like, okay, this, this is starting to make sense. Ladies and gentlemen, everyone's asked nice for Nice to it. be here. Everyone's and you know I get I've got like a million emails saying don't fuck this up from like fans. <laughs> I said I, I've been again I started on the wrong foot. I should have done the Marilyn Manson podcast last. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm coming in. Just so wait, when are you posting the Manson podcast? I I don't think it's airable. Are you I don't know. It's four hours of shit. I got a guy that edits, so <laughs> I, I, I don't think I've ever had a podcast that wasn't edited to some extent. Oh, I've had to edit the fuck out of mine. I've had to. I had to. I did one. I did one with uh, you know Cowhead. Mm-hmm. I did one with Cowhead Tampa. Yeah, I did. We did a live screening of my documentary, and Ralphie was there, and it was fucking awesome. Had I released this podcast, everyone would want to listen to it. But the sound guy. Made it so that when we spoke, you heard the crowd. There was like a thousand people there. Oh, is this his roast? Yeah. Just no, no, no. This Tampa? is. It was a screening for like Christmas. So when you heard the us speak, you heard the crowd. But when no one spoke, it was dead silent. So it literally sounded like you were fucking crazy. Like you'd hear like Ralphie go, "Here's the thing." You hear a thousand people go fucking nuts. Sounds like a laugh track. Yeah. And so then, and then when no one talked, it was silent, like flatlined, like silent. So I was like, I can't hear it. But it was good. It's it's usually we bring up one story about one guy that like, oh fuck he's married now. He's oh. A, yeah. Oh that guy's a cop now. We can't put that out. Yeah. Everyone get all old and responsible and they have lives where they. Oh, I talk shit to- about I talk shit about someone who uh, I met at a raffle on a podcast. I had no idea that it would ever get back at a school raffle. I talk shit about the person. He's like, heard you talk about me on a podcast. I was like, motherfucker. Wait, can I start by saying my favorite Doug Stanhope story ever? Go ahead. And by the way, I tell this to everyone. So enjoy the story because it's great, but tell me if it's wrong. I I get a complaint. I'm I'm in Miami, and I get a complaint from someone who's like, fucking what was presented last night was not what I was up for. I get really bummed out. And you know this, only because we've we've 
email back and forth. Wait, but a, a complaint from a comedy club, from a, like a patron, from a patron comp, comment card. Yeah. So I go. Uh, so I, I go and I like start looking at comics. I'm thinking maybe if I find out the other comics have have complaints, then and they've talked about. It, I don't know, but I go on your website, which for the longest time was maybe the greatest online diary I've ever fucking read. <laughs> I don't. I haven't. I know you haven't kept up with it the way you have in the past. Well, yeah, have Twitter and Facebook and all that. And now you're trying to come up with 140 characters, and you're like, no one even goes to websites anymore. God, do you At still have you those? That. Do you still have those posted somewhere? Archived. Yeah, dude. Go, everyone, go back to 2004. That's when I started reading it, and it is literally. I mean, you were doing them, and they're very well written. They are linked to the information you need. So if he's talking about Rouse going to the hospital, he's got a picture of Rouse going to the hospital, and it's highlighted. It was, and to this day, the greatest blog I've read online. Thank you. And I go on your blog, and I see, and by the way, here's where the favorite story starts. Um, Dear Omaha Funny Bone, I came, dear Doug Stanhope, I came to see with the Omaha Funny Bone and I was not pleased with what I saw. The jokes about 9-11, AIDS. Tsunami. It's the tsunami. Uh, it was Appleton, Wisconsin. This Appleton, Wisconsin. True. Yes. Was not what I planned and was not, in my opinion, funny or should be ever delivered by a professional comedian. I will never be attending there again. I will never be attending your show and I will never be telling anyone to ever attend one of your shows and I'm thinking about filing a complaint with a better business bureau. <laughs> Your reply, I couldn't agree more. When I got that evening's script for the show by the club, I was as shocked as you were. However, being a dutiful comic, I performed the material they presented me. I don't know if you know how comedy works. Uh, every week we're presented with a script, and we thought this was too salty, even for our taste. But we have to do it. She goes, I didn't know that's how comedy works. That's how comedy works. I can't believe that. I will be talking to the club. I said, please forward please. these complaints to the club and let them know oh. we are un- as uncomfortable oh. as you. However, it is my favorite. It is my favorite. It is my, it's not only it's one of my favorite Stanhope stories, but it's one of my favorite comic stories because it, it, it is the spirit of what defines a comedian. Is like I really like like, and I know you are the reason. And I know Brendan. By the way, I apologize right now. You are the reason I know who Brendan Walsh is. Like I, know, I would have met Brendan previously. Brendan's the greatest at pranks like that. He has the truest comic spirit in the world. Like he lo- literally thrives for that shit. And he he was pissed and moaned because I was promoting my book, and he was like, "Enough, Bert, we get about it." And then he was like, "Wait, you have a book?" And like, because I'm retweeting it online. So then I, I said on my podcast, I was like, "Guys, turns out Brendan's a, as big a fan of your retweets as I am. So every time you buy my book, hashtag Brendan Walsh and keep him in the loop. Him and Tom Segura." And Brendan was like, "Fucking got me." <laughs> I gotta see Tom Segura off topic, but yeah, oh. I've heard so many so many great things. He, you would fucking love Segura. You would love Segura. I had him on a list of things to do. But you're <laughs> Tom you're, Segura. Like, what's this? You're gonna, you're you're the comic. I think most comics are afraid of. But you're the biggest fan of comedy. I, yeah, when it's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and actually, I'm so far removed from it. I never get to see it. I'm not in a city where there is comedy. So now I'm a, like I'm, I feel more gullible. I'm an easier laugh now when I do see comics. You think? Like local openers. I'm fucking laughing. I go, I don't know if I'd laugh at this if I still lived in L.A. where I was seeing comedy every fucking night. I, I don't know. I don't know. I think... I was just... Uh, some... 
I wish I knew his name, but some kid that opened in Gainesville, Florida, local, had a fucking Make-A-Wish Foundation bit that I was, <laughs> I was just crying. I was still crying going up to onto the stage following him. Really? Yeah, I just wanted to, I wanted him to tell it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I saw you the first time I ever saw you perform. It was another one of my favorite stand-up stories. First time I ever saw you perform was in the side room at the Improv. Oh, yeah. You have a glass of wine on stage. And it right is, after 9-11. It was... No, it was before 9-11. Oh, wow. The only time I remember that side room was... I remember... It was I like an HBO Aspen... Anyway, go ahead. So I go in. I'm with Gary Valentine in the back. Wow. And we were doing the X show. Yeah, yeah. And I think you had tested for the X show. Yeah, I did. And you were... And it is, it's your style. And I don't think anyone understands it's your style. But it's stream of conscious. It is a genuine stream of conscious with thoughtful ideas sprinkled in. Does that make sense? Would you define yourself as that? I, I'm, I'm trying to remember what I said on the X show. No, but. it was it was, it was was the moment where I was like... Where I was like, it's... No, my stage show, It's it's it sounds like it's stream of conscious to a... Uh, the place where people go, hey, we're going to come for the second show. You go, no, it's, it just sounds like that. <laughs> I make it sound like that, but it's the fucking same shit pretty much. Yeah. I might switch up the order. There might be a new tag, but yeah, that's the shit. Yeah, and you were talking about you were talking about comedy and, and what the road's like and the grind and is it worth it and all these thoughts that I'm now as a fucking, that I actually emailed you one night from Sacramento, all these thoughts about the quickening and and. <laughs> And and what is it worth? And and in the back, and you're like, and don't get me wrong, I'm not I'm not saying the X show would have been the end all be all. And you made a nod to me in the back, and I was like, holy shit, he knows I'm in the room. And Gary Valentine's <laughs> like, I'd leave if I were you, Bertsky. <laughs> but it was like it was nice to be acknowledged. But in the same time, it was like all these ideas that were yet to come from me. The X show. How long did that last? I don't was know. a chick named Daphne? Mm-hmm. I forget about Gary Valentine. Yeah, Gary Valentine. <laughs> Uh, I remember, uh, what, uh, what was uh, the redneck guy was on the show when I was on it? One of the one of the blue collar guys. I don't know. What, here's your sign. What's your sign? Bill Engvall. Yeah, Bill Engvall was Are a guest when me? I was when I guessed. What do you? I sat in. Really? Yeah. So wait, who did, did you? Uh, like I always hear stories. That was before TV turned. Like right after the Man Show debacle, that's when TV, like Always Sunny, came out and like broke all these rules and they have fucking glory hole bits and yeah, like yeah. Now you can do anything, but back then you had to mind your p's and q's. What was what was the? Would you if you could do it all over again? Would you do the Man Show? Yeah, I don't I have no regrets. It was just a yeah. piece of shit, and the, the, the excuse is too long. You want to tell anyone that saw it? Well, here's the reason. There's a million reasons why it sucked. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. No, I haven't. Uh. You never felt like, what about, like, because I know Rogan feels like he wished he had never done it. All right, I, I, let me not put jo- words in Joe's mouth. But, like. Yeah. I, if I hadn't have done it, I wouldn't know why TV is that awful. <laughs> <laughs> what, was the, what was the deciding factor that got you to go to Bisbee? I had to move somewhere. Like I wanted to leave L.A. Yeah. Getting, uh, our lease was not getting renewed, so I had a deadline. Yeah. And then it got down to, I think, a month and a half or two months, and we hadn't decided on where to go. And we got well, yeah, maybe Portland and maybe Austin, but I don't, I don't want traffic anymore, and Austin's fucking bad traffic. Yeah. And Bisbee's a place that I had found and I'd visit all the time, but I'm like, I can't be an hour and a half from an airport. Is that you know how what? far it is? Yeah. 
But then I went, why, why not? Yeah. I, I, you know, an hour and a half you know, to the Tucson airport is shorter than 35 minutes from West Hollywood to LAX. It's shorter than here to the fucking LAX. Here to LAX is like... It is in, in if it is traffic, it's a fucking nightmare. You got to leave at six in the morning in order to get in the four morning on the two two four yeah, I have an hour and a half. It's a hundred miles, but there's one, uh, you know, stop signal, and it's always green. Yeah. <laughs> so so, was the decision to go to Bisbee before or after you decided to, basically, I mean, I'm gonna I'll say grand terms because I think this is the way comics talk about you, and you don't have to just don't just don't you don't have to disagree, but like. Like, the, before you decided to reinvent touring for you and what now we know is to be all alternative comedy touring. I was, I, I, I was a slow burn. Like you'd, uh, cities where I had developed a market where I know, hey, I can get 100 people in a bar. I don't have to work that club and do eight shows in a week. For the same money, I can get 100 people who actually like me that Wait, don't did fill you, out did comic you, Did cards. you do the math in your head? Did you, like, did you literally sit there and go... All right, I don't want to. I don't want to rip off the artist because I, I rip off the the fan. So like fifteen. What what are your ticket prices? Like fifteen, seventeen dollars. At the, I think we were doing ten dollar tickets. Ten dollar tickets. I remember your ticket price that. was through brown paper bag, right? At, at some point, we go. You know, I bet a lot of people the clubs pre selling tickets, and if people don't show up, they're not giving us that money. So even counting heads, I I go. Isn't there a way like we could PayPal do our own? And that's how we found brown paper tickets. My tour manager, you know. Figured that out, yeah, and so we've been using them since. Uh, yeah, but yeah, we took a lot of bad beats. I remember playing to eleven people at the aquarium in Fargo, North Dakota. <laughs> All right, it's a shitty Monday, but we'll make it up in Minneapolis. Wait, were you doing every single night? We were trying to do as many nights as possible. Yeah, and when we could route it, because <laughs> yeah, we're just feeling our way through this. I remember. And, I remember you were at the Crowbar in Tampa when I was at, at oh, the yeah. Tampa Improv. And we tried to get done our early show early so we could go catch your show because it's literally right down the street. And I remember saying to Cowhead, are you having Stanhope on? And he was like, oh, wait, where is he? And, but your tour was so underground that yeah. it was like... It, but it was and like, we're driving so you can't do morning radio. You're, you're waking up in you know, Pensacola and trying to get to Tampa yeah. with you know, one eye still half shut. So now, so you look at the cities, because I always think, uh, there are a lot of comics doing this now. Even Segura's one of them. Segura does his tour with his wife. They'll go into a rock club, and he's like, Bert, I'll sell like, you know, 200 tickets for one show. 100% of the door, maybe 80%. Yeah. But compared to what you make in a club, I just do the numbers. When you walk into a club, and it's Saturday night, and it's sold out. And you go, wait, the improv's, okay, they're charging this. This is how much they're taking in. I can... I can get 100% of the door down the street at the bar I drink in after the show. Yeah. Next time I'll play that bar and the people that are just there to see me, and it worked out. Now, what was the... Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mine you for a lot of things that I've always wanted to know about. So, like, I want to know about the clubs. When you were working when Ron White was working the clubs. Yeah. Yeah, I, I featured for him in Oklahoma City. We shared a condo for a week. What's that? I mean, like you realize the ideas and I have to have about condo. that, right? Yeah. What was that like? It was fantastic. It was just because he's a, a drunkard. I think yeah. he's one of the few tenured drinkers still drinking, like old school guys. Oh, yeah. Even a tell is sober. 
Patel is sober. I heard Patel on his new hour. Have you seen it? Mm-hmm. It's amazing. I love yeah. it. Yeah, it's great. I heard him saying something like, I like, I'm a boozer. And I was in my heart, I was like, oh, come yeah. on, Dave. <laughs> Just fucking talk about sobriety. Yeah. Tell me what that's like. Maybe it'll inspire me. <laughs> so you I, I and- never want David Tell to do anything but tell jokes. Yeah, he's fucking, he's the best. He Pound really is. Pound the best of my generation, I would but say. I, I've said this to everyone, and, and I showed it to Leanne, and she didn't get it. And sometimes you just marry someone that just doesn't get what you find brilliant. <laughs> and I showed her that my favorite joke on that special was him talking about whiskey. And he goes, oh, really? You don't want to look flabby as you drink whiskey and stand outside yelling the N-word at an eclipse? It's <laughs> the fucking greatest joke. It's fucking brilliant. It just is and the- he hates himself. He's that brilliant and it. thinks he sucks. But you think, you think, you've, you think, I sometimes listen to you talk about yourself, and you think, what am I doing out here? I've written all the jokes. Yeah, you, you feel like you're out of shit. And yeah. it's not the jokes, it's the, it's the meat. All right, how can I talk about overpopulation in a different way? It's, there's only so many things that you're passionate about. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're fucking Bill Maher, where you have to hate something new every week. <laughs> I heard you and Tom Rose, and you were talking about it very candidly. And in a weird way, I was like, fuck. Like, like does that happen? Because here I am think- thinking, do you do you run out of... I mean, what am I going to write? As like- long as there's poop and assholes, you never run out of funny. <laughs> now, what do you think about comics that have other comics write their material for them? I... I've been to that place where I'm fucking tempted, but I couldn't do it. Can't pull like, the trigger. Yeah, like I even just say like Andy Andrus has a bit that I know I could fucking destroy, and he'll always flounder with. And I like I want to buy that bit, but I can't bring myself to do it. I'm it's always that. the UK. Anytime I'm going to the UK, you have to shave two thirds of your jokes out because they don't translate. Really? Like, fuck. All right, I need new shit. So that's the times where I've considered. Buying bits from friends and I, I I can't do it. I can't even take a suggestion from a friend, like because I don't because I don't know the true place of that bit. Like I go, I don't know, man. Did you write that or did you hear it? Did you? Yeah. Are you telling me now? So I look like a thief. Yeah, it would have to be from a comedian. That, yeah. no, you, the guy on the street that hey, you can use that in your act. Well, you heard that at the VFW hall. Yeah. <laughs> it's been passed around, and I'm just the one guy who hadn't heard it and thinks you're a genius. Yeah. Now, um, what's uh, so let's go back to I want to know about you and Ron White. What's that weekend like? I I, 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 I stole a line of his uh, from the condo. There was a girl named Tracy Brown, I think was her name, some opener from Austin, and she was you know horrifically <laughs> sexually uh, harassed. <laughs> and you know what? She should fucking send a thank you card because she was not a looker. <laughs> but, but you know. A chick comic in a condo, me in my mullet days, and Ron White sipping whiskey. He goes, and I, I, I stole this line. I put it somewhere in an early CD uh, where he said to at some point, we had just been giving her a, a, a beating after a show, and there's a lull in the conversation. We're all in the living room of the condo, and he says, gets up, and he stretches. He goes, so Tracy... What's the chances of you turning loose some of that old pussy? <laughs> and I forget what bit, but I stole that turning loose some of that old pussy. Fuck. Was he was he was he what you envisioned the, to be the This was he was nothing. This was before he moved to Mexico because comedy kind of ran out on him. Really? And then he got the call for the blue collar thing. He was living in Mexico making pottery. Really? Yeah. Was he funny back then? 
Yeah, but it was the same act. He had to hire writers. He's it makes no bones about it. Really, he's fucking great. He's the only guy that could get away because he's so. It, 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 the quote was, uh, I, "I saw my he bought an Andy Andrus bit." Yeah, and I said, uh, you, "You've been buying some bits from my my buddy Andy's, my best friend." He goes, "Yeah, what I do is I buy uh, I buy material from really good comics. I buy really good bits, and then I take the teeth out of them so they're not funny anymore, and I deliver them to my audience, and they applaud." <laughs> He says you can't, you can't buy a boat with art. <laughs> He's such a fucking. I know. I guy. wish I could like be that. Fuck it. I'm just gonna deliver this here. This is what I do for an hour. I don't care about you yeah. know, back of the room. I care about the back of the room, and I care about I care about my peers looking at me exactly. And like it, it matters too much to me. It, I can't believe that matters to you at all. If fuck, are you kidding? That's all I have is the back of the room. If, if it weren't oh. for peers in this business. Yeah, but you've got the back of the room the same way that America doesn't have to worry about the dollar disappearing. <laughs> it's like, it's like, yeah, I understand there are going to be ebbs and flows with Canada and Australia, but it's going to be there for fucking ever. Like, you're the guy. You are the benchmark. You're the, do you feel like the benchmark? I, I know that I have a very uh, narrow fan base. Uh, my audience are a niche group of fucking sleeper cell would-be school shooters. Wait, wait, what's the, what's the, wait, hold on. What, what's the story of you going to your own show and crossing the street? <laughs> You're like, oh, fuck. Look at these guys. The fuck are they waiting for? Well, the, the club that was in uh, Edmonton or Calgary? Calgary. <laughs> and the, it was a, a train station was right in front of the club. So I thought they were a bunch of fucking... Uh, gang of street urchin hoods <laughs> all waiting for a train and I was afraid to and I got bingo my girlfriend's got fucking blue hair and yeah. I'm like I don't want to get a bunch of fucking flack from as Brendan Walsh would say gum chewing teenagers <laughs> and I have to fucking get into a fucking fight or something so yeah no it was my fans it was the line for my show <laughs> I crossed the street to get away from so if you could get like I got a one time I got a I got a compliment from Patrice and I was like, "That's a fucking that's that's better than any Emmy or Oscar, yeah. a compliment from Patrice but without a, a backhanded, not a backhanded, but it was a it was it was like one that I I wish it had been about my stand up. It was about like I did Birth Conqueror, and I was sitting and I mean this is how I mean what a what a huge fucking influence Patrice was on people in general was my cameraman ran across the hall at like six in the morning and he's like, "Have you seen Twitter?" And I was like, "What?" And he was like, "Dude." Check your timeline. Patrice just mentioned you and complimented you on your new show. I was like, what? I was like, I knew, the, out of bed. I knew the ratings sucked, and I was like, I give two shits. Patrice liked it. Yeah. He was like, congrats to Bird. He's been working hard at the game, and he's just him on this show. He's funny. And I fucking was like, I got teary-eyed. It, he was so terrifying to me. I had to audition with him for the man show. There were Are ten of us, and they kept switching up the... Couples. I thought basically. it was you, Rogan. It Dane. got down to Dane Cook, uh, Ralph Garman from uh, Kevin and Bean. Is it uh-huh. one of the local morning radio shows he's on? Uh-huh. But it was it was actually going to be me and Ralph if Rogan couldn't do it, uh, and then Rogan could, and he said, uh, "I want Stanhope." <laughs> really? Yeah. But it, it started out with ten of us: it was George Gray, uh, Patrice was one. So you'd go in together. Okay, now you and Dane do it. Okay, now you go with Patrice oh, and work out a thing. Uh, and they had like a fake set, so we'd go up to audition in an actual live setting. 
And Patrice said to me, I don't work with other people well. <laughs> like, oh, this is going to go fucking swimmingly. But there's no one you're more afraid of eviscerating you than Patrice. He was so... Terrifying human being. Was, and, he was, and he was so, like, honest and sometimes, like... I remember one time saying, oh, I'm so glad we're friends. And he was like, this is in Scotland, we did uh, Edinburgh. Oh. And he was like, I'm so, I was like, leaving. I was like, I'm so glad we're friends, man. And he was like, we're not friends. I was like, what? He was like, I'm not your friend. Like, don't get... Like, I'm talking to you, but we're not friends. We're not buddies. Yeah, he took that uh, brutal honesty to a, an unnecessary extreme. Oh, yeah. Like, I have social mores still. <laughs> I might not on stage, but in public, I'm overly polite. I yeah. fucking Eddie Haskell, the, uh, your wife. Hi, you must, uh, are you the Mrs. Kreischer? Yeah. Nice to meet you. I have fucking all manners. So, it was so funny. I said, Stanhope's coming over. He's early. I said, I was going to go run and get beer. Do you want to grab beer? And she was like, she was like, yeah, uh, yeah, I'll get it. And I said, well, either that, hang out with Doug, and I'll go get beer, and I'll be back. She goes, no, 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 no. You talk to Doug. Like she's like, because of the, I mean, what people assume you to be is not what you are in a weird way. Yeah, and I, I, I guess it's hard to step outside of yourself. I mean, yeah. I can sum up the rest of the world, but how people see me, I have no idea. And when people say, oh, it's weird, I can't believe you're a nice guy. Like, do I really seem like I'd be a prick as a person? Well, I think I think it's the I think it's the the it's it's it is the persona in a weird way. It comes across as like this like cigarette smoking still, like still cigarette smoking, like bounced at Bisbee. You got like I, I I picture you in the trench coat by a by a by a light post with the fog coming around. <laughs> and, but it's so funny because it's the antithesis of who you are. I, this is my. I show up here. I have a. We call the fun house. Is almost exactly this. Only the fucking idiot made the doors open in. And it's too late to change it. I have this furniture. This is uh, this is my life in Arizona. Is what we're fan of football, which is love football, which is. I mean, it, it is just against the grain on what people would think. Oh, that's Stanhope. Like they'd be like, no, no, he doesn't like football. But I love the uniforms. I fucking <laughs> really, yeah. I love point spreads and uniforms. I don't know. I've watched football my whole life. I don't know what a fucking three four defense is. I know nothing about the game. Yeah, I know the point spreads. I know the uniforms. I like if the Patriots are playing in throwbacks or the Buccaneers are playing in oh. throwbacks. I fucking I can't have a TV big enough to watch it, dude. Monday Night Football, the shining on the helmet when the helmet shines from the lights, and I don't know if I'm Fantastic. autistic, but I get fucking like heartwarmed, and I'm like, oh, like I'm like I'm and like a uh, I'm. Uh, What's the lady? What's the girl who worked with cattle that liked to be held down? Do you what? know who I'm talking about? What's the girl? The girl who worked, worked with, with cattle. Right now, someone's hearing be- this going. Oh, I know who you're talking about. <laughs> the fucking girl they did an HBO docu- show on her. She worked with cattle and she was autistic. She liked to be held down. No, Peyton, no not idea. Peyton. Never mind. Fuck it. So, right, <laughs> no, it's a fantastic non sequitur. But uh, but it's it's interesting. It's it's against the grain of who you are. Like when I sent you an email, I sent you an email a long time ago, probably like ten years ago. And I was like, man, I'm just now doing the road. Sorry, I've kind of backed up on my emails. <laughs> I haven't got back to you. No, no, you got back to me. You were like, you were like, oh, don't worry about it. It's called the quickening. It's fine. It's a, it's, it's, it just gets worse. And then like a week later, you're like, how's everything going? Like I can tell you're in a bad spot. And I was like, oh, no, it's going fine. But like it's so knowing who you are, it's like you, it's like a tell. You, you'd think a tell was this like wouldn't care about approval. Wouldn't would thinks he's amazing. It's like you, Atel, Hedberg, like guys who you, who almost it's like as as younger comics. I say I only say younger in in time doing it. 
you, I, we, Ari, meaning me, Ari, Tom Skura, we look at you guys thinking, you don't give a fuck what anyone thinks. Your, your material comes naturally to you. You don't oh, care no. about your lifestyle. Your lifestyle just comes with the territory. I still have yellow legal pads, just notes everywhere. Not to the extent, Attell, like Attell is one of those guys where you go, I wouldn't want to be Attell. I wouldn't want to have to live that life to be that funny. Yeah. I, I hope I didn't already say this. I feel like I just said this on my own podcast. But guys like Charles Bukowski and Hunter S. Thompson, where you go, they live fucking brutal lives to be that brilliant. And I think I'd rather be mediocre and comfortable every now and then. Dude, I say that a lot. But but you do. But, and, and Now, are the imagery that fans draw of your lifestyle? I don't think lifestyle? David Tell has a personal relationship with anybody. Yeah. I think comedy is his wife in an abusive relationship. Yeah. I, I really... I, but you know him pretty well, right? No, I don't think anyone knows him really well. I'll, I talk to him often. Yeah? Yeah, he's... <laughs> I, I'm one of those guys he knows he can call in the middle of the night. I'm probably the last remaining guy his age that doesn't have children. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he can call me at 2 a.m. He probably knows I won't be up, but... And yeah. what are you guys talking about? Do you guys talk about jokes or do you guys talk about he life? Just, he talks like he talks on stage. Yeah. But really? it's always misery. I'm trying to put this thing out and I know it sucks and I re-edited it. And I know it's bl- <laughs> it blows. So how long am I going to be on the road? Do you ever play that club? What's it like? Because I, I didn't sell it out and I think I'm fucking <laughs> losing. My time's over. <laughs> God, that's so misery. fucking bizarre. But uh, still with jokes. It's not, yeah. He's still hilarious as he's you know suicidal almost on the phone. So who's your, actually suicidal? Who's your short list of dudes that you'll call in the middle of the night? Uh fuck. Mostly not comics. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 You had a list of players like that were in your life when I was reading your blog like every day. That like, like Andy Andrist, Matt Becker. Those are my two best friends. Yeah, uh, yeah. My tour manager. He's he'll fucking wake up. I hate to say my tour manager. He does that, but we were friends otherwise. He was Edberg's tour re- manager. Was Greg it really? Chaley. Yeah, I know Chaley. Yeah, I, yeah. I did, I did uh, oh, yeah. Chill Coots. Coots. Yeah. It was a fucking really fun gig. Yeah, Chaley's watching my girlfriend right now as she's in a fucking psychotic state. <laughs> he would have been here. <laughs> we were all coming to do both podcasts, him and his girl, me and my girl. But yeah, after last night, my girlfriend's, you know, the mental illness thing going on. And sometimes you, know, you put drugs on top of that and she spirals out. Wait, how, how, and just tell me when to stop. But like, but like, I've always, I've known Bingo through, for uh, probably seven years, for as long as you guys been together? Six years? How long have you guys been together? Almost. Please hold. Please hold. Sorry, I had to pour another. You're uh, talking into the glass. of champagne. <laughs> so, uh, almost, uh, almost 10 years. Yeah. I, I started... I, 2005, I, we get together. I'll tell you what, uh, this is... By the way, I don't have much of a filter, and I, I don't mind it with you, but I'm always sensitive to someone like you, because, you know, it's like guys like you, I, you I, I, you forget how sensitive a guy like you might be. Oh, I'm not. Not at all. Really? Yeah. I, I, I worry about outing people on the air, about stuff. Yeah. I am always worried about that, too. Uh, but, yeah, no, I have I have no soft spots. But I, I met, first saw Bingo in your life in, like, probably nine years ago, ten years ago. I'd say Back right, when she was bald, yeah. yeah. I, but but I will say this, and I'm saying this candidly: she's absolutely beautiful. 
I mean, I remember first seeing her going, holy shit. She still looks fucking she's great. Gorgeous. She's gorgeous. She's got a great body. She's, I mean, she really is smoking hot. And I was like, God, man, I bet they get fucking wild. I bet they have crazy fucking times. And then there was like, uh, um, and you were really honest on your blog. There was like a period where like a reverend friend of yours kind of like disappeared. Yeah, F- Father Luke. Yeah, Father Luke. He wasn't, uh, re- he, at one point in his life was a, a priest yeah. for a minute now he's just a vagabond. Weird Is he still guy. in your life? Yeah, we still see him every now and then. Like yeah, we're was, on good terms. He he like bounced for a second. He came. He moved down to Bisbee. It was just this whole fucking chaotic year where I I met Bingo while I was still with uh, Renee, who I was with before. There was an overlap. We yeah. have no anniversary because there was a gray area where. <laughs> <laughs> One's coming and one's going, but you're both in the office at the same time. Is the Renee the chick you got the abortion with? Yeah. Now, what happened to her? Uh, I didn't hear from her on Mother's Day yesterday. So. <laughs> <laughs> She's doing well. She's in Colorado. We finally uh, made peace. Yeah. Took a long time. And uh, I was a fuckhead. It was, it was my bad, but... Hey, it seems to be working out. Yeah. So you it, was a, go- it was an ugly relationship. Really? Yeah, you, know, you can't have two headstrong drinkers. Really? Yeah, you can't both. Yeah, there was a lot of yeah, hollering, screaming, drunken arguments. Yeah, yeah. Is that when Joey Diaz is in your life? No, no. That was Joey was around before Renee. I mean, he's always been around. Yeah. But, yeah when he, he moved from wherever he moved, I think he was staying at my place. I don't know. This there's a lot of cocktails in this this, this history. There's a, it's well, your history is one of the more fascinating. Like I just wrote a book, and I remember as I started to promote it, I was like, God, man! Like I, I mean, I've done some crazy stories, but I haven't really like KP Anderson used to always tell me you're like the fun Disney-fied version of Stanhope, and he's like, Stanhope's got the story you want to hear when no when everyone's asleep. He's like, your story's like, oh, and then I robbed a train. You know, he's like, but Stanhope's are the fucking... So, like, so in a weird way, I've romanticized via your... Via your- David Tell called me on one of his uh, late-night phone calls. He's calling about he's going to play New Orleans, and he goes, hey, remember that time we were in New Orleans and you made the girl cry, and then we hopped a freight train? It, was just, it just seemed like a you know, yelling the N-word in an eclipse. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I've never played New Orleans he goes, no, and it turns out we had, Andy and I had driven down to New Orleans because Hedberg, Attell, and Louis Black, I think, were on tour together. Uh, yeah. So we finished our show in Atlanta, drove like hell to get there the next night, ended up doing an open mic after their show with Attell, and a, some woman did cry at a 9-11 joke, and I mocked her on our way out, and then drunk, trying to get beignets, there was a slow-moving train, so I did jump on the train, and I rode it like 100 yards, just just to say I, but I forgot. So when he, it just sounded like a perfect Attellism. The night you made the girl cry in New Orleans, and we were at the, trying to get beignets, and you hopped a freight train. And I just thought it was a joke, and I that's how I would have to write a book is like this. I'd have to go back to people who remember shit. And, I, and they go, yes, yes, yeah. yes, we did do that with the Skyline Comedy have, Club. Have you ever thought about writing a book? I, yeah, it would, it would be called Blotto Biography, where it's <laughs> my biography through other people's stories. Because unless it comes up in conversation, I don't have instant recall. You start talking about that lady with the comment card. I'm like, fuck yeah, now I remember that. Yeah, it was, it's, it's the way I think. I think it's the way a great comic should be. And, I, and I, I'm... I'm holding issue with the way I'm living my life now because I feel a tad bit self-promoting. 
Well, you know? fucking, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, as long as you're aware of the fact, you're doing the right thing. Yeah, but I feel like I feel like I like I get on a phone call and I'm, and it's I just I used to be the guy that people would tell the story about that I didn't remember, and I love that. It's great. It's a great feeling when when it tells like remember the time and you're like no I don't and you're like oh shit yeah I do god damn it that does sound good sizzled down <laughs> into a into a plot line you're like mm. I when my mother was going to kill herself there was a very aware part of my head going I'll get material out of this and that's yeah that's kind of a fucked up place to be where you go uh, you know hey look at the bright side <laughs> what was the statute of limitations for that oh I well it, it was the credit card fraud that was the yeah statute. that's right that's right yeah that's right there was also the story and you don't have to talk about it but whatever you talked about on someone's podcast and you're like we're just waiting it had to do with florida we can't talk about that it was yet rogan's i'm sure yeah what can you talk about that yet what that was my mother's suicide that's what it was yeah oh really yeah oh shut the fuck up yeah i've been dying to know what that was because you're like i can't really that? talk about it if you're gonna rub something, like again, I'm like when you when you have the legal system as part of your fucking writing team. <laughs> like, hey, I need to talk to my lawyer. Hey, can I talk about this yet? <laughs> if I'm gonna be uh, putting this on a Showtime special, so wait, actually okay, Netflix, so wait, whatever. Let's go back. So, where, where did you meet Bingo? I met Bingo uh, in Portland after, like, you meet a lady after a show. Yeah, years ago, and then. Kind of kept in vague touch over the years. When you meet her, is she in we street clothes? We fucked after a show. Was she in street clothes? Was she... Yeah, like, she, this is before she ever went crazy or bald or anything. She was just a young 22-year-old smiley girl taking care of a guy, like a Helen Keller guy. Fucking guy who couldn't low, see wa- low watt gurgler in a high back chair, <laughs> I used to say. Low watt gurgler. <laughs> like, mostly blind and, uh, I don't know, cerebral palsy or one of those like really... He couldn't hear, but she'd bring him to the comedy club because he would feel the laughter around him and he'd laugh inappropriately, oh. which is always awkward. All right, you get the fucking elephant in the room, and now he's laughing at this <laughs> setup. And you're, no! <laughs> and everyone looks at him, and then they look at you, like, what are you going to do with it? And then yeah. you look back at the audience go, I don't fucking know. Let's just <laughs> plow, plow forward. <laughs> so, yeah, she brought him into the bathroom, to take him to the bathroom, and I hit on her. And we fucked and then just kept in random touch. Really? Every yeah, year or so. Hey, I live in uh, Wyoming now. Hey, I'm in New Orleans learning how to play saxophone. Hey. Was that her or you? Her. Oh, no, really? Yeah, she went on with her life. Really? Occasionally. And the, the one email came, I just got out of a mental institution where I was locked up against my will for two months. And I'm going to come see your show in Hawaii. And I go, oh, that show got canceled. So but if you're in Tahoe, we're having this party in Death Valley. Come down. There's a lot of drugs. Your doctors would advise against it, but you're welcome to come. And she showed up. Like this, who's the fucking bald girl? <laughs> what was it? When did she shave her head? After she got out of the mental institution, evidently. I really? haven't seen her in a few years. Yeah, but I'm like this. You know, it's a very random spot in Death Valley for anyone to be, much less some chick walking into the party with Lisa Loeb glasses and a bald cranium. Yeah, like, that chick's fucking hot. She really is beautiful. I will yeah. say that. <clears throat> I, 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 uh, when I saw her on her thing, I think you were, she was in like a fucking band uniform with half of her face painted. She just bought another one at a vintage store on Melrose today. She really? She the high school band uniforms. Yeah. God, get the fuck out. So how much of what people believe you to be versus what you are is true? 
Like 80-20, 50-50? Well, this is why it was so awful. I felt so bad coming in. I, I just did Bill Burr's podcast be, yeah. before this. I don't know when what comes out. I'll air this. But I'll, I'll, off I'll, of fucking every, like, I'm sitting there going, I am fulfilling every cliche probably people think about me coming in fucking after a gack bender. <laughs> Stinking of fucking booze and cigarettes, which is like a very occasional night in my life now. Yeah. But when those nights come up, I fucking, yeah, I participate. There's not a lot of Marilyn Mansons in Bisbee, Arizona that want to yeah. come party fucking heavily with you. Well, it's, it's, it's the way you decide. I'm starstruck when I see your face on a commercial for your show. <laughs> I'm like, I know that guy. Like, I feel like that. I'm like giddy about coming back here. I even I don't even hate L.A. like I used to. Really, I'm so happy to. It's it's this is like going to Montreal for me because I never <laughs> see comics. I never see my peers. It's it. I guess I would be like, but yeah, but you're hanging out with. Jake I know you from Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How did you meet Jake Lamala? He lives a couple blocks away, and we had a mutual friend. He's been over for poker. I've really? talked. I've finally talked to his wife after she, and <laughs> I, it was if I did a bit about him for the listeners about Jake Lamada, who is a now an elderly man, but he's still drinking and smoking, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. smoke cigars. Uh, There's a great picture of the two of you guys on like Lazy Boys next to each other, literally looking like two men who are comfortable in being who they are. He's not there. He didn't know where he was <laughs> in that picture. Are you serious? Yeah, he's completely not. Well, he, he's he's more cognizant than he lets on but that's still minimal really yeah so i did a bit about him knowing that his wife would eventually hear it and that's a neighbor yeah so like i would purposely when i'm walking my dogs like uh you know i'm gonna go up this street instead rather than risk walking past and maybe she's heard it so she finally heard it and uh so so, that's so when when we're done i'll play you i have a, a clip they were filming a documentary about them uh, they were going to get married. His wife, you know, many years, his decades, his junior. Yeah. Uh, and so he's at my house playing poker, and they have a documentary filmmaker filming the poker game, and he starts shaking a bit, and then he starts shaking more, and they're like, champ, are you cold, champ? His handler guy while yeah. the wife is off. And I'm like, this is, someone's going to take this guy to a hospital. Everyone's like, just one more round. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> Let me buy in for twenty more. Like the guy's like he's tremors now, and we have heaters on either side of him and blankets around him, and he's shaking. I'm like, come on, someone's gonna. Yeah. Can we call Denise, his wife? Yeah, maybe you should. So he went straight from the poker game to the fucking emergency room with pneumonia. Are you serious? Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> And I'm like, this, he's going to fucking die leaving my place, and we have the celebrity death pool, and I know people that have him in the death pool, and I'm going to be complicit. Like, there's all this shit going through my head. So he lived. Uh, but any, anyway, I did the bit about him on the, the Showtime special, yeah. and or Netflix, whatever the fuck. The, is it that Beer Garden Blitz? Beer Hall Putsch, yeah. Beer Hall Putsch? Yeah. It's, uh, you know, that's the, that is the... Uh, it is the, the highest comedy I think you can get in comedy is when... Uh, road features respect your work because road features are still very passionate about it and they still have the dreams and hopes of stardom and they haven't fucking sold out yet because they're all they're all making the exact same amount of money so they're all in that same kind of like punch your card in type of you, Do you know bring your own guy some yeah sometimes who's your guy um F- matt Fultron lately 
It used to be another guy. It, it's, it's you know who it's whoever is like kind of in the system at the time around. Yeah, and <laughs> and that's fun to drink with and, yeah. and doesn't like I, I kind of like like Fultron will if I do something new like if I write on stage Fultron if he hears it he'll write it down and go hey just give you a heads up I heard you say that and you don't normally say that and it worked better. Bingo does that. That's what she's on the anytime. We're on the road. She has the yellow legal pad in the back of the room. Knows my bits. Knows when I'm yeah. drunk and just riffing shit and writes down oh, what worked. It's the fucking greatest. Because I can't listen to myself. It's the fucking greatest. Now, but but the, all the road dudes that are like the guys you want to be around, like the guys that uh, a lot of a lot of whom, uh, like I think you you know I don't know I, I'm sure you're not comfortable with the title, but you're the guy that people want to write like. People want to be like you're like the you know, and then I know you're not comfortable with this. I'm sure, but you're like oh, the yeah. Hicks. You're like the the Hicks to to the regular comic. You don't give a fuck. You say what you're thinking. You take chances that people wouldn't normally take, and you live the and you live the lifestyle. That's the biggest thing that turns like a comic off is when you talk about the lifestyle, but you don't live it. Like you know, like like it's one of the things. Like I always thought I wanted to be. I remember Tosh, and I love Tosh. I think Tosh is genius. I'm not shitting on Tosh I at all. I fucking love that show. But I remember he said to me, I don't ever want people to know who I am. And in my head, I was like, oh, I want to be like, I wanted to be like, I still kind of want to be like the Bukowski, like the Ernest Hemingway. I want you to know who I am, and I want you to know that I'm flawed, and I want you to know that I'm broken, and I want you to see it a little bit, and I want, to, I want you to see vulnerability, but I also want you to laugh. And I want you, I want, it comes with a fucking big price tag, like fucking... You know. It hurts, yeah. It's I used to make the joke, and it's not really a joke, that a professional drinker has about the same longevity as a professional athlete, where I'm playing hurt most of the time. <laughs> I need to take pills just to fucking get through the pain of the show. I remember one of, one of my favorite tweets you ever sent, because I was like, I fucking retweeted it, looking for the answer, was, hey, does anyone know the milligram dosage Heath Ledger was on? <laughs> Because like, I mean, that's my cocktail. <laughs> like, I, don't know, I don't know if I ever put it on a CD, but I, and it was basically true where when I, I did a th- like three weeks, I think it was 26 days in London at a theater at Leicester Square. Yeah. And I hate London so bad. It's like being in Times Square, but nothing's good. Like the flavor they don't have. And yeah. <laughs> there's no condiments for the awful food. Like, everything sucks. Yeah. And I, I did the bit, but it's basically true that. I realized if I took an Ambien after the show, went to sleep, woke up, took a Xanax with a nice citrus cocktail, I could go right back to sleep right up until showtime where I made 26 days go by in about 45 total hours. Uh, My version of that is that's how I jumpstart a diet. Take an Ambien. Don't eat dinner. Take an Ambien at like four. Sleep all night. You don't eat dinner. You skip through breakfast. Wake up. Take a Xanax. You fucking sleep all the rest of the day because that'll ride that Ambien. And then you go out and you start drinking that night. You'll pass out. And you're talking about two days minus the calories. That's my jump starting a diet. But it's it's true. I'm fu- like uh, Tim and Eric. You ever yeah. watch Tim and Eric's awesome show? They did a like a, a parody uh, commercial for whatever. Hey, I can't wait for my birthday. And you just take downers. So you time goes by quick <laughs> and i'm like i do that for real this is <laughs> but i don't anymore i've i've for the most part laid off the sleepers i'll take a benadryl if i really if i have to medicate my sleep yeah uh, i just i just started not drinking flying 
Like just. Worst thing that ever happened to me was when I quit smoking. I would never drink on planes except for the first couple. I'd take a Xanax, have a, a, a cocktail or two just to make it kick in, yeah. and I'd sleep through the flight because I was so afraid of not being able to smoke. Really? And then I quit smoking for a year. And I'm like, now I can drink on planes. And now I'm shit-faced all the time. Oh, I just, I, I, mine got bad. Like, never, never, never cut off, but I was always made, I always made sure I never got cut off. I was always very cognizant of the of how I was behaving, what I had in my bag to make sure that yep. like I always carry like four little r- riding cocktails like roadies with me. Oh, I th- carry I ten. Your fucking quart size bag holds ten shots. <laughs> really? Fuck yeah. Oh yeah. I, I ain't waiting for fucking the drink cart. <laughs> I you bring a travel mug. Yeah, uh, like empty. Wait, are you talking like uh, are you talking like the like the one that Mine makes you look healthy? Delta, like a I have a Delta Airlines one. <laughs> really? I'm a fucking status freak. I'm all yeah. about miles and Mine's status. American. I'm, I'm trying to get the trifecta. I, at the end of this, I'll hit United highest status. I already have Delta highest status, and I'm going to try to hit American by the end of the year. Oh, I'm the same fucking way. <laughs> I'm, but I'm all American, so I dump all my miles on American, including international. I'll only fly American international. I'll, like, and I'll talk. I'm talking like I'll take the seven o'clock flight out of here to London just because it's yeah. an American plane. Yeah, that's what I was with Delta. Yeah. and then I like, hey, you know, I can status match now. We'll talk about this off the air. So we'll geek <laughs> right out on this. Yeah. <laughs> that's the weird thing that comics have in common. You you get the travel mug empty, so you can bring that through security. Yeah, and you just uh, have the bartender fill it up with ice. Then are you, you talking get- about? Are you talking about? Because I, what I bring is the, I bring the healthy, um, like the guy. You know what you see hikers carrying? Yeah, yeah. Like that thing. Yeah, I carry that, that thing. thing. Yeah. So people need hydrating. Empty. Then you put ice in it at the bar on the other side of security. You have fucking, fucking ten shots of vodka. Doug, <laughs> I swear to God, I'm, I'm now I'm looking for more secrets because these are that's what I do. And I and or or this is the other one I'll do is I'm on the plane and I will order a uh, double jack on the rocks. And so I'll go, and can I get an extra glass of ice? Sure. So I like to chew ice. It makes me nervous. So uh, you're like... Like you have to explain yeah, exactly. why you ask for extra ice. Yeah. You just say, give me extra ice. But because you're about to do something wrong, you have... You I have, like to chew it. It's like, it's like I was on a flight with Tom Sizemore one time, flying at British Airways. And they're like, sir? He came up to me they're like, do you have any tin foil? I was like, No. Who carries tinfoil on a fucking flight? She's like, oh, okay. I said, wait, why do you need tinfoil? She goes, the guy back there needs it for his cell phone. I look back, it's Tom Sizemore. I go, do not give him tinfoil. He's chasing the dragon. He's in the fucking. That's a do you have fucking a big, great story? Do you have a big pen? Just the the white part. He doesn't need the pen part. The lighter. You don't have a lighter by any chance, do you? That's fucking beautiful. You don't have any Lou Reed on your phone, do you? <laughs> so, so, but like, yeah, that's my, that's, that is what I do. It's amazing how mother, uh, the, what is it? Necessity is the mother of invention. Yeah. However, m- the mother of invention has the same children. Like, you, if you notice, like, the people that do the things we do all do the same things. Like, like, like the fact that you bring that sports bottle, that mug, with you on the plane, fill it with ice once you get over to security. That's exactly what I fucking do. Uh, yeah. No, I have my system. I like it. Yeah. I have my TV be gone, which is the greatest invention ever. What's that? It's just a little gag thing. It's a universal remote that will turn on or off any television. So when you're sitting at the airport bar and they have fucking Nancy Grace forced into your face, oh, no, the TV's going off now. 
Are you- I don't know why it keeps going off. I fucking love it. It's Are the most juvenile serious? invention. Get it on Amazon. I want that for fucking cars. When when I want when someone cuts me off in traffic, I want a gun that you can shoot at them that presets all their stations on the radio. <laughs> and then it's like, bah, 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 you know, like yeah. So okay, what what else do you travel with? Uh, TV be gone. Uh, always I mask. Do you bring Xanax with you on the road anymore? Uh, yeah, I, I always have an always have emergency. 30. I always have thirty. Oh yeah, I, I we live on the Mexican border, so you can go across and get. 30 uh, or less, you can bring any pill over the border legally. Really? Dude, you can't a, have them there's legally. A brand new, there's a brand new pain medication that is Aleve times 10, but not addictive. See, pain meds never worked for me. All the like, uh, Vicodin and shit never did anything to me. Really? Yeah, it's just uh, a waste. I, I get hurt a lot doing my show. So, I'm, so like, well, yeah, we I'm going to watch your show. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's, well, don't it's you have great. a new one? Are you, don't you no. just? Are you? Don't you constantly have a different show on Travel no, no, Channel? No, that's Al Madrigal. No, 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 yeah, on Travel Channel. Yeah, I've been working on Travel Channel for five years. I fucking love it. Is it the same show? Yeah, all right, same show. I had Birth Conqueror, I rode roller coasters, and now I take two adventures, two people on the adventure of a lifetime. It's a great show. It's a great show. Yeah, I, I see the commercials, and I just immediately, I always focus on the shit I can't do, and I, I'm a loser because oh, you, the guy can dance. That guy's athletic. <laughs> I can't do any of these things. I never take any pride in the few the, good things I can do. The I just, things you can yeah, do very well. You know, I, I should be more like him. I should be athletic and go take adventures. And you would no, have I'd, been. I'd you, break in 1950. You would have been a beat writer, easily. You would have been the guy. You would have been Hunter S. Thompson, but maybe not gone as far as where he went. I don't think you ever needed to go there. Like I think you are. Like you're writing. You're writing. Yours and Joe's. And, and you know, it's like, I, I, one of the things that kind of fucked with me in my head one time is I was talking about, I was talking to Duncan Trussell in, in, the, in my man cave. He was talking about all the great writers that are on my, on, on my books, bookshelf when you walk in my house. And he was like, you know, he was explaining how, how weird it is to walk past these great writers standing in your living room waiting for you to talk to them and let, let them tell you a story. And he goes, how, how arrogant is that? And I thought, all I could hear was, how arrogant is it that I... Believe that I'm interesting enough to write a book, but you genuinely are someone that is interesting enough to write a book. Like, you genuinely are, and you don't have to write it about you. That's the thing that's crazy about you. It's, uh, it's why I stopped updating my website. Just to write an update is almost physically painful for me. I get so stressed out, and the, the same effect that cocaine has without the euphoria, yeah. where I just my jaw's tight just trying to get the right word. It's, it's an effort. And it's nothing. I'm not fluid. Without thesaurus.com, I would have. I couldn't write a fucking fortune cookie. Really? <laughs> yeah. I, I never ha- thought. I never thought of your writing as that. I fe- I thought of it very, and uh, and like I only like reading a certain type of writer. Like and I and and you're that type of writer. Well, I can only read a, a certain type of writer, and I have to make myself. I can't write an update and go. Uh, this is. I couldn't. You know the bland. No, I'd just rather not write than put something shitty up that I wouldn't want to read. Yeah. It's the worst thing in the world because I do comedy the same way where I, I play to what I would want to hear. And I, if I, I know I could get away with this you know, set, yeah. but if I were in the back of the room, I would not want to hear this. I would, I'd, rather, I'd rather watch a guy go fucking train wreck crazy drunk crash through fucking tables than sit through the same set twice but people aren't like me but i'm still playing to me if that makes sense 
Kind of. Like, because I, I agree with what you're saying. I Like, I had a little bit of a spiral Saturday Late Show in Tampa where I just stopped giving a fuck. And I literally, I feel like at some point I was just making noises. I really was just making noises with my mouth. And then was like, <laughs> I want to do a couple shots. You know, like, I don't, I'm like, I'm done. I'm fucking done. I'm so tired of... And it's and it's and and I'm not about if you're listening to this I'm not shitting on my machine story but I tell it every fucking show about the, when I got involved with the Russian mafia. No. You, ever, you never heard that story? No, huh. I don't fucking see comedy ever. It's a good story. I want to. I, I wish I, I wish I could tell it, but <laughs> everyone. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm sure it's on a tape somewhere. A tape. a tape. I just said a tape. <laughs> good fucking yeah. Christ. No, I got Bill Burr's already talking about me like I'm the new John Fox. I used to have to follow you into condos, and you did shit with the mayonnaise. I didn't do that. Those are old John Fox legends, and I that was an update I wrote on my site years ago. I remember in calling Chicago? John Fox the ghost of Christmas future. John Fox and walked now into a bar I'm in Chicago. That guy. Yes, that dude. When I tell you I read your fucking site, I read your site. You were in a bar in Chicago, and John Fox rolled in. Yeah, and saying he's going to open for the Beach Boys. Yeah. And you were like, that's the ghost of Christmas future? What did you yeah, say? Yeah, he, he kept telling the story. It was a full week at Zany's Chicago. It had to be 2000, 2000 or two, 2004. Because I remember it was election night, the Tuesday. Yeah. We watched the election after the show. So that first night, he comes into the Ooh, bar next to Zany's. Yeah, yeah, good, good, good. I'm making sure. All right, All right perfect. Keep going. <laughs> I was like, I had a panic. Uh, and he said, uh, oh, this is my boy. I, I taught him the ropes. I'm like, I've met you twice. <laughs> yeah. This is my protege. That's what he kept saying. This is my protege. And uh, he said, guess what? I, you're never going to guess what I'm doing on New Year's Eve. I'm opening for the Beach Boys. And the bartender lady who had, was so tired of his bullshit said, you told me that was Christmas. And he goes, it's Christmas through New Year's. And she goes, well, why would you say New Year's? You would say Christmas through New Year's if it was Christmas. Oh, and fuck. called him out on his bullshit. And he just, we, uh, anyway, last night, Sunday night, same bar, end of the week. He comes in at 1 a.m. And I go, hey, John. And he goes, I'm just here to break a $100 bill because I got to get a cab in the morning. They never have change. Like I'm his AA sponsor. Well, I'm chewing ice. I'm chewing ice for a reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So he just opens with his ex- excuse, and I go, hey, have a drink, knowing he's going to anyway, but giving yeah. him the out. All right, I can have one. Yeah. And so drink comes, small talk. I go, where are you taking a cab to? This is November, yeah. election. And he said, you're not going to believe it. Oh, shit. I'm opening for the Beach Boys. And I'm like, yeah. So then we went home and Googled. Beach Boys are not on tour or probably even a band anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fucking Brian Wilson's a wreck. <laughs> but I, I wrote this update about how he is the, my ghost of Christmas future. Yeah. At what point will I become that guy? Do you genuinely have a fear of that? To an extent. But yeah, I, I know I'm still... I fucking hate losing my memory. That, that really bothers me because, yeah, I do have fun fun stories that I forget. Do you, do you feel like sometimes... And I'm, by the way, these are all questions I'm... Oh, I know. Asking me out loud. I know. <laughs> Do you feel like sometimes you're punch drunk? Yeah, yeah, a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I know I, I work within a, a certain, you know, okay, I'm going to have this many drinks before the show to get me in the right place. I don't, like, I would never try to do 10 minutes at the comedy store. I don't, I, I, I know how to do what I've built. I'll yeah. do an hour and 10 at a place. I Everything's in order. Yeah. 
I can't, I'm not going to go fucking do seven minutes. No. What am I going to do seven minutes for? I don't, yeah. I don't even think my first beat will kick in. I ain't going to do fucking... Sorry, Paul Provenza. I'm not doing the set list show. <laughs> I'm not real whippy. But it's, I think people want to see you be like that because people see you like that. People see you... God I'm damn already, it. I just realized... I, I just realized my own shows enough. I just realized what I'm doing in its essence. And, and if you start this interview over, you're going to hear it. I'm interviewing myself... Because I feel I feel so much like you in so many times, and having read your blog, I think a part of me w- was was would look at you like a vacation rental that I, I wanted to get to. Like like you go, I remember you'd say, I'd go, "I'm going down to clean up for a month down in Costa Rica," or "I've got my month of sabbatical where I'm not drinking, no smoking." And I was like, "Fuck, man, I want to do that," but I didn't. Yeah, no, I, I did a bit of that before this last tour. Right really? after Super Bowl, yeah, I, I tried to quit smoking again. Got down to, yeah, uh, I, I quit for uh, one week. I got a full week in. Then a couple of cheaters, uh, someone I know stops by the house. They have cigarettes. The first thing I do, give me a fucking cigarette. Give me a cigarette. But you know what? Don't feel like you're a failure at quitting. Just go, hey, I had a cigarette. That's the way I, that's the way I think about with drinking. Is like I'll go like for a month. I did the latest, longest one I did recently. And, I, and I've cut, cut back on my drinking a lot. But the longest one, I, and I, by the way, huh, you want to talk about panic? I cut back on my drinking. and uh, But I was pr- going pretty hard on the paint. Like I was like, there was like a two-week period. No, 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 just drinking. But pain? And going pretty hard in the paint. It's a Waka oh. Flocka lyric. Oh. <laughs> I go hard in the motherfucking paint. Like just, don't know what that it's means. a basketball. Like oh, I, huh. I rebound pretty hard. I'm, a, I'm an right. aggressive rebounder. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, Bert, tell me what a baller is. <laughs> I'm a big fan of hip hop. <laughs> so I go, I come, I, I go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a break. I'm on the road. I think I'm in Paris, and I'm like, I'm gonna take a break. Don't know what podcast you're on, but you said I'm, I'm going to take a break but i have a glass of wine just so i don't go into seizures do you know do you remember what i'm talking about well no i i, I do that because there's there's so much misinformation in the rehab uh, addiction therapy whatever world yeah. where you don't know what the truth is again when they're telling kids if you smoke pot you'll fucking shoot your friend in the head in commercials well we don't know what the reality is uh so yeah i know when you are a hard drinker, you can fucking seizure up and die. You can have strokes. Yeah, so. it's, it's part of it's part of rehabbing. Is like the day you you can't go cold turkey, you will have a stroke. That yeah. that does happen. And I heard you say that. I don't know where you said it. Must have been, might have been on your podcast. I, I've, I, I've, yeah, I, I know I've said it out loud. I don't know if there was a microphone near me, but yeah, it's a when I when I do, you know, rehab. What I call rehab. Yeah, I'll have a few cocktails in, at night. Yeah. To get your yeah, and I, I literally was like motherfucker because it was one of those times where you say, like I don't know if you've ever had this where you're like you come off the road and it's been hard and then you're laying in bed and you're like God damn it man I do not feel right I feel like am I getting sick am I am, do I have a brain tumor is this is this what is, is this is this a brain tumor like I feel this throbbing and then I'm like oh maybe I'm an alcoholic and this is called detoxing a tad bit. Like all this, or maybe it's just a weird feeling. 
Or maybe, and maybe I'm so fucking hyper aware. Yeah, it happened in your knee, you'd just think it was fucking aggressive basketball, but it oh. happened in your head. Oh, I must either be an alcoholic or have a brain tumor. Or every now and then, you know, people who don't drink have a funny feeling in their head and they do you know ignore what I had, it. Do you know what I had recently? What? You ready for this? Uh, I had a pain. I, I caught my daughter's softball league. Like I caught for them for a day and I had a pain in my nut. And then I thought my intestines were dropping into my nut. Oh. I thought it was testicular cancer. I called Duncan, and Duncan's like, what do your, your nuts look like? I so badly wanted to repeat a tell and go, like someone who can't fold up a tent. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that was the best fucking line. He's so good. He's, go ahead. And I told him, and he goes, well, no, when I got testicular cancer, it was like a it was like a lemon. Like, you know it's a testicular cancer. And then I was like, wait, didn't Doug have a hernia that I, you had I operated? Two more. What? Right now, yeah. How- I have a ventral hernia that if I showed you, you'd puke. Where? Can I see it? Yeah. Where is it's, it? It's right here. I have to get in a weird position to show you. How, how do you get them? I don't know. Like that's that's hernias are for people who lift things. Yeah, <laughs> I don't do any physical activity. Kettlebells? Is I it have, kettlebells? I have one down here, the regular groin type. Uh, but this one, I have to fucking sorry. I have to do a whole fucking strip tease. Please let my daughters come home from school right now. Oh god damn it! <laughs> I can't wait to meet the kids. <laughs> sorry, my uh, my. It is a long week. This just got shaved by people at a party. Yeah, I had I a two-day runner. <laughs> Doug's unbuttoning his shirt, and I'm like, hey, like, Vinny. <laughs> it was everyone at the party that shaved my chest and back and some of my pubes, too. A and friend got dumped. That's the, that's the Oh, that was the scar. umbilical that's the scar. Wait, the, what's... Oh, that's just your belt. Okay. Wait, this is... I have to... Here. Hang on. You, you do play-by-play. Play. Okay. So, Doug's shirt's off. In fairly good shape, I'll say. And that's how this happened? No, no, that's how I noticed. Oh, that's how you noticed? Okay. Whoa, whoa. Holy shit. It's where your six pack comes apart. It, it, oh my god. Holy shit, Doug. It looks it looks like your it looks like your stomach has a nose. It looks <laughs> Anyway, can I take a picture? Yes. Yeah, okay. It, this is that's a, that's the perfect angle yeah. right there. It looks like that scene where aliens about to come out of his chest but it hasn't burst through. So I had this diagnosed at the merch booth. <laughs> I love so how you have your fans do your surgeries. It's <laughs> a doctor in the audience. So I had him uh Diagnose this laying like this. I'm on my back right now with my knees on top of the. I'll take a picture, people. Yeah. I'll tweet it now. <laughs> so, so, so I had the this guy who says he was a doctor as I'm laying over the t shirts in my merch booth, and he's like, Yeah, that's a ventral hernia. Like, how do you get it? I don't know. How do you get rid of it? How do you get out any hernia? You're fucking supposed to pick something up that's heavy. That's God what I thought. So, Please hold. Yeah, I my, can't do the rest of the podcast no, in this. No, it's fine. I get it. <laughs> I mine is in my jock up my ass and in my ball and then right in my groin. Like I, I got it. That's a lot. Of, it's, it's a whole bunch of hernias. A whole bunch of hernias. But I don't know what it is. But I've been working out fairly hard the last two days, and 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 it hasn't hurt. But sometimes my nut will just hurt. Well, I have the groin one, and that's one of the reasons I quit smoking is I coughed my way. I had such a heavy cough that I believe I coughed this groin hernia. Really? And then when I'd yell on stage, which I do, I could feel it. I'm oh, like, oh, that's... does it feel hot? 
No, just you can it, it, you feel your guts are coming through your muscles is what oh, happens. Fuck. If I was skinnier, I think they could see it. I don't think they can see But that was the problem. I quit smoking. Then I gained 10 pounds from quitting smoking. So that affects your hernia. Really? Being smoking and coughing hurt it. And being fat from not smoking hurt it. So I can't win. So I guess I should go to a doctor that's actually in an office rather than... (laughs) Who did your last hernia operation? Uh, Dr. Katie Arts. Hot Asian. Yeah, uh, I, I put that on my website. Hey, evidently I have an umbilical hernia where your belly button sticks out like a cocktail weenie, and uh, which I, I I didn't know was a hernia. I just thought it was a gross Audi. Yeah, <laughs> and they go every Audi is actually a hernia, but it can if it pinches off, it it can become necrotizing. What's that mean? It, it, it rot wait, and die. It lives off an old man. It was. <laughs> it was the, it was the word that made me go to a doctor. Necrotizing. <laughs> Yeah, you, you fucking your guts start dying and rotting inside you because your fucking intestines are pinched off somewhere. Yeah, wait, I just realized. So I put on my website, hey, I'll if there's a doctor out there, I'll uh, if you want to trade me free surgery, I'll give you a DVD and a T-shirt. And oh. I got it, and I fucked him out of the t- T-shirt. Really, I think your shirt's on backwards. I just realized your wardrobe selection is based on your where you live. Like I like I remember at one point you went from like Packers caps and T-shirts to like to like vintage suits and and I realized occasionally I'd bust out a vintage suit if I found one that fit me but yeah I'd wear sports jerseys football jerseys specifically yeah occasionally a baseball jersey but you you're pretty much entirely Before that it was always the black overcoat and the. Uh, wool cap. How much do you believe style plays into stand-up? I really enjoy, because no one dresses anymore. I really enjoy dressing up in fucking 70s leisure suits, because it kind of feels like you put some effort into a show. You just show up in a fucking t-shirt and shorts, and every fucking guy just shows up, sweatpants or whatever. So, yeah, it kind of feels fun. Yeah, I feel like... Glam rock. I, I, I go, oh, the jeans and pants are nice. But I always go like a T-shirt, and then sometimes, like the other day, I got on stage and I was like, "I think I'm I'm underdressed." But like a college shirt doesn't feel like me. But at the same time, I don't know what I'd wear. Yeah, I, it, it took me forever before I go. I fucking love the whole dumb '70s leisure suit thing. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. I'm obviously too old to think I'm a hipster. Wait, how old are you? Forty-seven. Are you I always really? round up. I, I <laughs> when I was tw- late twenty-eight, I go. I'm practically thirty. <laughs> And then it was always a year. Then when I was 37, you were I'm like, 40. I'm 40. And now, yeah, at 46, I was 50. What, I'm getting um, closer. What's your favorite year you've done, you've lived in stand-up? Uh, like 95. Go- really? Wait, yeah. walk me through 95. 95, uh, I was I lived out of my car since December of 92. I just said, fuck it. I can just keep my shit in my car. I get a, you know, a voicemail. Uh, in a mailbox that would forward whatever. I don't even know what mail I needed back then. I had yeah. no bills. But uh, 95, I did the Vail Comedy Festival slash competition. It was a short-lived thing, but I got discovered. I got like I had never been you know, anywhere near industry. What's a joke that you told back then that that like that maybe is not indicative of who you are now, but you were proud of? Back then, I couldn't tell you one that I'm proud of now. There's a recently released uh, footage of a show me and Hedberg and two other guys did in Minneapolis in 95. And I watched it, and it's fucking... Oh, oh, it was wrenching to watch myself. Really? All my jokes sucked. 
I had a weird accent. I have no idea where it came from when I like first started. A, like a Boston accent? No, it was a like kind of New Yorky Boston talking out of the side of my face. Uh, really? Yeah, it's it's out there. You, I don't know what to search it. So, so ninety five is in ninety five. You do that. So I did that, it. and I got a, a, a small development deal from HIP, which was HBO's production company, like fourteen thousand dollars, which was a fucking yeah. The sky just opened up and rained money. Yeah. For a guy who's living out of his car, fourteen grand, uh, and then I did the San Francisco comedy competition, and I won that, and that was ten grand. And, and you like, beat, and you beat Dane, <laughs> Dane Cook. Cook. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. It was great. I still love having Dane Cook as my fucking my villain, my you know, my Joker to my Batman, or vice versa. I like to have that. It's not even competition. I just like to have that rival. In uh, we're not up for the same shit. <laughs> yeah. No one's deciding on Saturday night between the two of us. I just enjoy having a rival, and I had him since 95 before anyone knew either of us. It was me and him neck and neck in the San Francisco comedy competition for three weeks, and then Vanity Fair, top ten comics to watch in 2000-something early. It's me and Dane Cook are the two guys. Really? Me and Dane Cook up for the man show. It was, it was always nice That's to so have. so fucking crazy. Yeah. And we get along. He's like, when I get on Twitter, hey, I can get you verified. I'm like, that's cool. So yeah, as much not, shit not, as I always guy talk at all. about him, like, I know he's a fucking great guy. It's he's he's always been. Uh, I said this to him, and I, I'll say this again. And this is a shitty thing to say, but I got to be honest with you. Once he got really famous, he was a lot easier to be around. <laughs> like he was like it was like there wasn't like I remember. I remember this, and I'll say this out loud because you do it. When you talk to someone, you look some you look them in their eyes. But like Dane, when he, when he was younger, he wouldn't. He was always he was always looking over your shoulder. I'm not shitting on Dane. I'm, I'm Dane may or may not listen to this, but he was always looking over your shoulder, and, and I you never really felt comfortable around him. And and like oh, if 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 I didn't have cocktails during this podcast, I'd be looking at my feet. I'd be so self aware. Oh no, uh, no, you, I, no, you were looking at my eyes when you were sober. Um, right. And so and so, but then when I ran into Dane, he was completely like looking me in my eyes, and he was talking to me about me. And I was like, "Whoa, this is very undane." And then I, I said to him, I, th- "I said, said man, since you've gotten famous, here I'll open it for you." I go, "Since you've gotten famous, you're really grounded, man." And <laughs> Dean goes, "No, my mom and dad died, and my brother stole money from me. I think that's what got me grounded." <laughs> I was like, oh, "Okay." I, I, I wanted to I, I wanted to call him to see if he'd do my podcast when I was here, but I didn't. He'd do it in a heartbeat. I know he would, but uh, dude. You got, you got to have him. I mean, seriously? I remember because wh- at the height, every the, there was an era. There was, uh, I forget who was before Dane Cook, but there was always the comic that got, he was the magnet of hatred. Larry the Cable Guy, get her done. Uh, you went yeah. through that in comedy where audiences were for no reason yelling get her done at you on stage. Yeah. And you know, Dan's a fucking great guy. Yeah, you don't really hate is. the guy, you hate the fans. So people, when I would trash Dane Cook, would like attack him online. And like, and I had to write on my site, listen, it's a f- friendly rivalry. It's like the Red Sox and Yankees. If I walked into an airport bar and there was my biggest fans and Dane Cook, I'm sitting with Dane Cook. Yeah, to this so day. I'm sure I lost some fans going, hey, you know what? I'd rather hang out with a comic that I I trash publicly than yeah. a fan. I would. Uh, there's a couple comics I probably wouldn't want to bump into, but there's a couple like like that uh, that I'm not fans of that I'd just be like, eh, you know what? I don't. I'd rather 
talk to a, a fucking abortion doctor for 25 minutes and find out about their life. Yeah, there's, there's guys I don't like, but I, I don't bring them up anymore because I know how much it fucking hurts when you hear someone, just any random anonymous Dude. guy trash you on fucking Twitter. It hurts. I said that I said that on a and a the other day, and they were like, so what's your point on someone? And I was like, I don't say anything. I don't say anything because I know when I get the bad email, I know what it makes me feel like. Yeah. <laughs> like I, don't want, I don't want anyone to go through that. Like, you're totally right about that. Like, just the first negative bit of conversation goes to that person and it sends them in a spiral. You can get a hundred great fucking tweets. One tweet that hits home and you're like, oh, here we go. Because mm-hmm. I'll be white well, knuckling today. it's the one that's uh, confirming the naysaying vote in your head where you go, you really suck. You're a fraud. You ready? They'll find out eventually. And then one guy says it on Twitter. You're like, see, I was right about myself. <laughs> Fuck it. Every other. I will say it right now because... I don't care, and because I'm by, by because I'm talking to you. There's a there is something you have where you cut the bullshit out of people. Rogan does it too, uh, but mine was I'm in Hawaii. Tracy Morgan does a ask me anything on on Reddit, and someone says, "Did you smoke PCP with Burt Kreischer?" And he goes, "I don't know Burt Kreischer. I've never met Burt Kreischer, and I've never smoked PCP in my entire life." Now my story of those events was never identical to what maybe that person had tweeted them. My story is very accurate. It's very honest. And it's very real. And it's in my book. And Tony, oh, Tony Woods was there. Tony Woods was there the entire time. He can corroborate every fucking fact of that story. And by the way, I, I have never said Tracy Morgan smokes PCP. I will say he completely led me to believe I was smoking PCP. Like that is, well, that is, I am the first in a very long list of comics that Tracy Morgan has has messed with. White comics that he's messed with, like, and that it's in my book, and it's very true. I've never said he smoked PCP, but uh, wait, 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 what happened? What can you still pre-order your book, or is it out now? It's I'm going to release this this week. You can definitely still pre-order so, it. So where do you go? Amazon.com. You can go to Amazon.com. You, you can it's go called to Life of the Party. See, see what I'm doing here? I fucking love you. <laughs> I fucking love you. I've been meaning to retweet it. Uh, thank you, <laughs> but I haven't. That's that's as good right there. Um, so uh, so I, I, write, I will read it though. I will fucking love to read that. I'll get. I'll make sure. I'll see if they can give you a copy. I know we have five hundred copies at the house right now. You can mail them to two twelve Van Dyke Street, Bisbee, Arizona eight five six zero three, and always mail weird shit. I always encourage people to steal shit from work and mail it to Bingo at our house at two twelve Van Dyke Street, <laughs> like Dick Van Dyke. Yeah. Bisbee, Arizona, 85603. You know what? I'm going to have Leanne mail you a copy with Good. something weird that the girls found. Oh, no. This is the, the steel shit from work was for the people I'm going to yeah. have them, Leanne mail you a copy, and I'll have the girls write you letters. Every time I do this on a podcast or a tweet, a bunch of shit will show up at the house, and Bingo is always confused. Why am I getting all these packages? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I do this to you all the fucking... Did you... Finally... Did you do that thing again? Yeah. She's fucking adorable. So anyway, so I, I'm i in Hawaii. I'm with the girls. I'm not drinking. I'm sober. I'm hanging out with the family. And I get, I go on Twitter because I'm posting some cool pictures of the family on Twitter or on, on Instagram. And I get the first tweet. And it's from this lady going, I'm kind of confused. Are you a liar or is Tracy Morgan a liar? And I'm like, look, I've always said I met the guy one fucking time. Look, I don't expect anyone to remember meeting someone one time. But you're right. What it is is, the and that's the one tweet. The one tweet that confirms all the shit you say in your head about you when you lay in bed. I'm a fucking phony. I'm a piece of shit. I'm 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 full of shit. All my stories are lies. Like and, and that's not even true, but yeah. that's what you think people would think about you. 
I've, I've, I, I, there's times where I don't tell a story because it just sounds like bullshit in the moment. Like, oh, all of a sudden you have a similar story. Yeah. That, <laughs> it's, but your stories you know, always have like with up. a self-deprecating hint. Like there is an honesty, like the, like getting a blowjob from a from a fucking transvestite. Yeah. Like that is a story. You and Norton have the ability to tell the stories that may have happened to thirty percent of us, but no one fucking shares. <laughs> and it's and and but everyone knows happens, and it's like it's it, there's an instant respect and appreciation for that artist. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. No, I remember. I was just talking about this again. I've been doing so many fucking podcasts. I feel like I'm repeating myself on stage. But yeah, <laughs> yeah no. I remember when I first told that transvestite, or I was first telling it that story. Norton was at the Improv in L.A. for whatever reason, and he, he goes, "Is that true?" Because I and he went into all his just telling me opened up his fucking floodgates yeah. of transvestites. Him and Voss used to go fuck transvestites in the park and oh, stuff. And I, Norton said to me, "He's like, oh yeah, I get it. All your stories end with, and then I got to drink with the Russian mafia. Oh, you're you're so cool." He's like, "You're like Tucker Max," and I, and that's my, my, my oh, by the way. Oh, that, oh, it, was, it was at a roast. That, it was at a roast. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, oh, so, yeah, God. it was at a roast. Oh, and so Jesus. I fucking worst not, person. I, that's a guy I'll trash. Tucker Max, a comic. What a fucking cunt. I, I and do this, people. Do this with anything you don't like. In, but in airports, when I go in, they always have his dumb fucking books on the rack. So I just I, I either turn them backwards or I put a good book in front of his book or a different <laughs> book. So you don't see his books yeah. if. If I'm at that airport, you will not see a Tucker Max book because I put some fucking gardening book in front of it. it says, yeah. oh, it says asshole on the cover. It must be good. No, you're not even a reader. Fuck you. you I, tried to, I tried to tell them when we sold the book, they were like, you're like Tucker Max. I go, no, I'm not. I'm not. Because I read his book. I read his books. It you know, comes out. And it's like, I hope they serve beer in hell. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, okay, I'm in. I'm in on the brand. I get it. Start reading it. And then like none of it's making, none of it's connective tissue. And I'm like. Like okay, well, it just sounds like a bunch of stories he may have heard all put into one book. Yeah, and that, that he's sounds fine. The fucking Joe Francis of the literary world. Joe Francis, who you have direct connection with, the uh, worst person I've ever met in the business. Really? None. Yes. Really? Absolutely fucking worst human being. <laughs> I always said that, he, that lawyers would have all his money by the time he's forty, and I, it's about that time, and I think I'm right. I think they do. Yeah. He got fucked in the ass. I think. Oh yeah, yeah. That was. Uh, Couple things, I yeah, he's he's got set up on some bogus bullshit charges that I will not yeah say. Oh well, you just deserved it. Now yeah. you know what? I'll I'll still take your side over cops, Mister Francis. <laughs> but but that one was. But yeah, no, I'll I'll tell you off the air. Okay. But, yeah. but you did now? Did you travel in the jet around, or was it walk in the jet, walk off the jet? I uh, I at, when I could, I chose to ride the bus rather than be with him in the jet. Really? Because yeah, he's just a shitty, awful. Remember the fucking rape scene in Leaving Las Vegas? Yeah. <laughs> the fucking frat guys? That, yeah. yeah, he's that kind of guy. Ugh. That always fucking creeped me out. Because I knew those... I didn't know those dudes. But I knew dudes capable of that. I was only close to one, like... One, like, situation where it just got sketchy. Which, uh, from what I've... In my experience, I know just brothers call a train. And, and white guys call... I think, I think it's called sexual assault. <laughs> so, but uh, there was one inter- one moment like that in my life that I can ever recollect, and it was on a beach in Mexico, and I fucking blew the whistle on everyone. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa! I'm getting her out of here. This seems fucking weird. Nice. And my friends were like, "Oh, come on, man! I think she would have fucked us." And I was like, "No, I don't." And then, but then what happened was I became. 
her shoulder. So I had to take care of her all fucking night. She clearly is a person that she was a little bit of a hot mess. And so then I had to drive her home that night. I got a taxi with her and I took her back to her friends. And she wasn't sure where her friends were. And next thing you know, she's like hitting on me. And I'm like, oh, this poor girl. I think it's a reason I have compassion. I think Bill Burr did a bit slightly like this, but when you when you realize your capabilities of fucking evil and making the wrong decision in that, like she might have fucked me because I got her out of that situation, and I'm. A, but when you know that, hey, like I think Bill Burr's bit was about how easy it would be to just swerve into the opposite lane of traffic and yeah. kill people. Like when when you know that, hey, that could be you. You could be that fucking guy. Donald Sterling, like the whole fucking, that's an 82-year-old guy, and I could make a fucking legal defense for everything he said and get him out of that yeah, and make it okay. I could fucking, because, again, I don't know what's in his heart, but I could manipulate his words to make you understand how you could be that guy. Yeah. How many, like, not only just tape recording your conversations in private, especially comics, we'd be fucked. Dude, I, someone someone said something about, like, text messages. What if they read your text messages? And I said, well, comics have a different set of sense of humor. And I literally, I was in a car with, like, five people. We're doing trip flip. And I go back to just Tom Segura. And literally the first fucking tweet, I'm like, all right, we're done. Yeah. Tap out. Yeah. <laughs> because what we find funny or acceptable or offensive, like, we don't find anything offensive. I don't, you can't offend me. No, no. Comics are the greatest fucking people in the world. Yes. I'm an elitist. I'm a fucking racist when it comes to comedians because they're not offended. No one, no one. It's like, it's like we were outside of a fucking Jamie Kilstein who would not even defend his actions if he was sitting on this couch. You go, yeah, no, I just feel a different way. Yeah. But yeah, the biggest fucking heated beefs in comedy, if you get us in a green room, we're fucking buddies. What's, what's, uh, that, that's interesting you say that. And I only say this because I'm interested to hear if you, I'm interested to hear what your, uh, view is on this. I don't, I don't know if anyone's ever asked you. Have you ever talked to Kyle Cease? I, yeah, I, w- I would have him on my podcast if I didn't feel like I was trying to rehash a nice moment. Yeah. Yeah, I have talked to him. Uh, I, I've, uh, again, I'll tell you stuff off the air. Yeah. But there's stuff that you just you can't ignore. Yeah. You go, I'm friendly with him. He's in my phone. We've he's in my death pool. He's he he, he, <laughs> he plays in our pool in death pool. He's and he's a fucking good guy. But I've heard stories that professionally unethical. The comedy class I will always. But who gives a fuck? Yeah. Yeah. You're making a dollar. Me saying shitty things about teaching comedy classes will not. Steer desperate egos who yeah. want to be comics. They, yeah, they'll they'll still buy the fucking. But yeah, you don't want to get too close at the same time. Yeah, sometimes I, I get it. Yeah, you get to that drinking point where you go, everyone's my friend. And then you're like, all right, I don't really want to be close to you. I just want you to know that I don't harbor animosity towards you just because I wrote an update. Assassinating did you know? Your character. Did you know that? Did you did you at some point know that it had been? It had gotten as big as it gotten. Like when you wrote it, I'd imagine. I imagine because I, I read heard it. about it from local uh, Denver comics. Were saying Louis Anderson called me up, and I I don't want to take the class, but Louis and I I had already n- known about it. No, I mean you're, when you're I heard post. how it was actually affecting you know young comics, that's when I wrote the thing trashing him. No, but did you know how big your post had gotten immediately? I well, I included uh, another guy. 
think Jeff Singer is his name. I know Jeff Singer. He owned uh, New York Stand Up New York, right? I, I, that might be the wrong name. There's some guy. Does he have glasses? And he looks like a, the Groucho Marx glasses with the phony nose, but it's his real nose and real oh. glasses. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, it was right. Uh, I went up to. I crashed Montreal right after that, and I had included that guy because he was industry teaching an industry comedy class and yeah. I had trashed him and he was fucking livid he really? like pulled me around the corner at the bar at Montreal and how dare you I have to make a living and I, I, are you serious yeah and I was just laughing I'm drunk like hey it's, and this is when you were doing just uh, just for spite just for spite yeah by the way why'd you stop doing just for spite because we did that car wash party we couldn't get a venue near where the ground zero of Montreal is just for spite everyone that Delta. doesn't know is just for laughs is the biggest comedy festival in North America. Edinburgh crushes everyone. Yeah, but it's a big industry, s- stupid fucking thing. I don't want to get into all the politics why I hate it. But yeah. every comic goes there. I love going there to see every comic. You know, it's a fun class reunion. Yeah, and it's a great place where you run into a guy like, and I'll, I'll use Andy Kindler as an example only because I, the one time I went, he came up to me and he goes, Bert. I'm Andy. I've heard a lot of good things. And I was like... He's a fucking sweetheart. And I was I like, what a fucking great guy. And But yeah. that doesn't happen necessarily at the at at, uh, at the improv, maybe, or at the Laugh Factory, but in Montreal, it definitely happens. Yeah. So that's a good reason to go there. But, I, but- had a, I had a personal beef with the people that run it and how they treat comics financially, specifically, and then trying to tell you how to do your fucking act at the same time. I had an issue. So I did my own show one year just for spite, where I, the last minute I rented some fucking, uh, booked a, a, rock, a punk rock club, seated like 50 people, or stood 50, yeah. whatever, just to prove that on two weeks' notice, I could make more money from 50 people than what you just offered me to do an 11-show run of a one-man show. Really? $110 a show? I made more than that my first feature gig at a fucking Red Lion in Montana. That's $110? Yeah. Oh, so I go, so I just did it out of spite. I called it just for spite. I did that show, made more money in one fucking show with fifty people than they were offering me. And then we did it the next year. And then the third year, we rented out a car wash directly across from the hotel where everyone meets up to party and threw a free fucking beer, free oh. free booze, fucking dance music. I I I don't. I have such weird memories of that, like midnight cowboy party scene. Uh, of doing ecstasy and, but it was so fucking good that yeah. I like I can't top that until I can top that party. It was such a blowout. Have you until go- morning? The fucking sun's rising. So so uh, so you're doing just for spite. You go into the bar and Jeff Singer, who I think I want to I want to say I is, hope I don't have the wrong name. I want to say it, I want to say it's the guy that owns Stand Up New York, only because I had a friend who didn't like him, like who. Had to, had a, I don't know, I don't know, but but anyway, he pulls you aside, and that's when you realize, oh shit, this blog might have gone viral. Oh yeah, no, I I knew it was kind of blown up, but not to the extent where this guy's. It know. went definitively viral in stand-up community circles. Like it was the one that like nine comics emailed me, and I was like, guys, I already read it. Like, <laughs> and they were like, no, have you seen what stand-up said, or what Stanhope said? And I said, no, I've already read it. Like, I'm five steps ahead of you. And they're like, well, no, you got to read it again. I think he just updated it. And I was like, no, no, I read the fucking one. And so... I, I love moments like that. I love, like, when you have a clash that you, you can defend and you're passionate about. Yeah. Like, we were talking about, you know, there's only so many topics. 
Every now and then something falls in your lap where you're like, I'm going to fight this. I had a, last time I played the UK, some columnist wrote a, just a shitty article been- about some right to die guy that had a locked in syndrome where he's locked, he's paralyzed, completely aware. But he can't move a muscle. He can blink his eyes to communicate, just like that fucking Metallica video, yeah. which is based on uh, Dalton Trumbo, Johnny Get His Gun. Yeah. World War One book. Anyway. Now I'm, now I'm getting drunk. I want to throw in By the like, way, By the way, this like is what I, I feel like read. on stage all the fucking time. What you're doing right now is where I go, which is based on that thing, which is that. And, yeah. and then I go, what's stay the, the fuck? Yeah. Stay like, the course. Try something At one point, I'm like, my course. parents got divorced. Motherfucker, what are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, stay the course. Stay so, the course. So he has a right to die thing. Yeah, and she wrote some shitty thing, and I fucking tweeted, hey, look at what this cunt wrote about this guy. And then my uh, fucking... I read that. I read Allison that whole... Pearson, yeah. Yup. Uh, by fucking... I don't have a lot of fans, but they are fucking tenacious. And if you call them to arms over good cause, they fucking pony up. Uh, And they made this woman's life miserable to the point where I thought I might get arrested because they have weird Twitter laws over there. Really? Yeah. Some kid went to jail, an Olympic diver who was doing it for his dad, and then he didn't win a gold. So someone tweeted, hey, you fucking shamed your dad in hell or something. (laughs) Fucking prison time. Yeah, really? abusive tweeting. It's and I holy shit. It was just a, you've always had you've always you in a weird way. You're the kind of guy that other that British comics talk about reverently. Reverent is that the right word? Reverently because you've always gone toe to toe with British press. What was the Irish girls are too ugly to rape? Yeah, that was funny. That, that was, was just a manipulation of the press. That were, it genuinely was. I mean, I, I want to say Patrice and I were there right that after was the Kilkenny Festival. What year? 99? No, no, this is uh, 2004 or 5. God damn it. I remember being in England, and I don't know why. Oh, I wasn't in England. I was in South Africa. Oh, Jesus. I was in South Africa. Where did you play? Uh, oh, we'll talk about the, this. Uh, the Faust- this Comedy Festival. All right. I want to play there, but go ahead. Oh, oh, dude, you'd love it. It's fun of the fuck. It was miles. so much fucking fun. Get <laughs> <Miles>. the miles. <laughs> so... So, yeah, and they were like, no, Stanhope, you should have heard him. He said Irish girls are too ugly to rape, and then he had to leave the fucking country and come back and then fucking attend himself, and you're like... Those are the stories where... You, like, I basically just got booed as a you know middle act in a, a mixed bill where they're there to see Dara O'Brien, who's like the Jay Leno of Ireland. Is it a girl Not or a guy? Guy. Okay. Yeah, he's a nice guy, but... People are there to see him. They don't yeah. know who I am. And there was a giant uh, pedophile scandal going on where yeah. everyone was enraged because some pedophile had gotten let loose on a, a technicality. And everyone, they're protesting in the streets of a town that's not anywhere near where that guy was. Like, that guy's just racing out uh, you know, with the paparazzi following him to go fuck kids. Yeah. And so it was a long bit. Yeah. I was already working on anyway. That whole pedophile bit from No Refunds was in its nebulous stages, so it already fit into something I'm working on, so I used the local angle, and I said, but quite frankly, looking around your town, before I'd wonder how old a girl was here, I'd wonder what species she was. (laughs) Something like just how fucking... And if you did wake up with one of these Irish girls in your bed... (laughs) uh, your first thought would be how how long can one of these live or something to that effect yeah. I just, it was just piling on yeah. how ugly fucking Irish women are 
And I go, boo, boo, get off. And I'm like, I'm leaving anyway. Ten minutes. That is, be honest. So Brian Hennigan, my fucking filthy uncut Scotsman manager, yeah. as soon as he hears I got booed off stage, he's fucking right on the phone. Within fucking 48 hours, front page tabloid news. American comic booed off stage, says Irish women too ugly to rape. <laughs> it was just a... No one would have ever known about that show. And Brian, knowing how to manipulate the press, made it in a fucking... I'm leaving Ireland and in the tabloid... You, so the, you, Wait, so you were on your way out? Yeah, as I, as I left, I saw the tabloid in the fucking oh, airport up. with my face. Does... Do you... Uh, do you... I was about to say be honest, but I don't, I don't think there's that. I don't think I have to say that with you. Do does that depress you when you get negative press? Well, that's not negative press. That that depresses me in how easy it is to manipulate. Yeah. They, have, they still have fucking newspapers over there, tons of, them, and they're desperate for a story. They still so, have newspapers yeah. over there. So yeah, if you can be their Donald Sterling. Yeah. They'll fucking write about you. What's one bit of press that you've gotten that you've been like, that has bummed you out and you're like, ah, oh, fuck. Well, I never read like just your regular interview shit you do for the whatever weekly, you know, I hate reading them because there's always one thing that's wrong and it's too late. And it, it logically, you know, no one cares. I, 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 get, I was uh, called the winner of the Montreal Comedy Festival once and you go... There's no winner. There's a festival I did. There yeah. wasn't a competition. But then you're thinking about other comics reading it, thinking that you told them that you're a winner. Yep. And they go, he lies to them. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's my consistently my fear is that people think I think I'm better than I am. Yeah. Like, uh, oh, he really thinks he's all like, and I'm just, no, no, I'm just, I'm just like you are. And I just, and, and I'm, I'm afraid of good press as much as I am bad press. I look at way I, worse. The I fucking look, Bill Hicks shit I get in the UK. It oh, made me look for reasons to hate Bill Hicks so I could just really combat Did you it. Meet Bill Hicks? No, really? No, and I just, I don't get the comparison at all. You get I get the you get the comparison. I think honestly, probably. Uh, well, you di- didn't you live in Houston at one point? No, you just did the last stop. Yeah, I taped like my first three CDs there, so. Okay. People think I was from San Francisco because I won the competition, and I used to hang out in Minneapolis. <coughs> I always a lot, thought so you were they... from Houston. No, no, just just did the club there. Really? Yep. I taped my first CD. I did it with. I listened to it. Ari will listen to your CD with you, and then critique it. And I told him, I said, "Well, I don't want to listen to one that's recent. Like, I want to listen to my first one, so we really have something to critique." Boy, it was. Oh awful. wait, this, as a podcast or something? Yeah. Oh, that's fucking brutal. Oh, it's you have no idea. <laughs> Ari literally was like, what? "How about old notebooks?" I go through well, open notebook. mic. No, to bring out open mic notebooks, that would be a show. That that'd be a Paul Provenza Edinburgh Pull. Festival open mic notebook. You go go get your old fucking first notebook and try to do those jokes oh. funny. God, oh. those it would be fucking. But, you, but Louis said he, that's what he did. That. Louis said that's what he did. He goes for my second hour after I did my first hour. I just brought out my first notebook and reworked those jokes. I was like, "What, Louis? Louis?" He was like, I took old jokes and I just refigured them out. And I was like, huh, people can do that? <laughs> I, I'd, I'd be just ashamed of the things I thought were funny. I, 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 remember, I can remember distinctly, I'd started with Dimitri Martin and I thought that Dimitri's way of doing stand-up was the way to do stand-up. Because like Hedberg was, I mean, Hedberg was one of those guys that you were like, wow, he figured it out. He figured out the fucking thing to be original. And yeah. then adversely, everyone then copied him. But Dimitri was kind of very Hedberg-esque at the time. So I was like, oh, that's it. So I tried to 
mean, I can. This is. I mean, like, I don't even want to say the jokes. It's so not funny that it's almost beyond embarrassing, and it makes people want to just turn off the podcast. But I was like, what if pop? What if Papa Smurf's middle name was Boner? Papa Boner Smurf. Oh fuck. <laughs> And I literally wrote it down, and I remember being like, "It's gonna work. It's gonna work." <laughs> what um, what uh, yeah, no, it's the fact that you wrote it down. I wrote Even it if down. you never tried it, the fact that you thought that might be funny. But I compare it to thrift store shopping, where you look at a billion pairs of shitty fucking pants, and then you find that one fucking great vintage grab for four dollars. I I sometimes think to myself, and and I, I'm trying to. I'm in the middle of like. Uh, Refiguring out the way I write because I, I figured out a certain way to write, but then I feel like there's a there's a shelf life on that. So I then have to kind of not reinvent myself, but just relook at the way I see things and try to never like be complacent. So I realized today I was like I'm a little obsessed with uh, gentrification because I went back to Tampa and I realized wow it's really interesting the place where when I grew up the black people, Cuban, white people, and certain people lived now it's all flip flopped. And now the white people live where the Cuban people lived. The Cuban people live where the black people used to live. And the black people live where the Cuban people live. I was like, that's so... But the rich white people still live where they live. I was like, that's so fucking interesting. But, of course, I didn't say it as eloquently as that. It turned into a... Whatever I said turned into a... Ooh. And then you're like, oh, I got it grown. I must be going in the right direction. It's like getting fucking a gag during a blowjob. You're like, oh, here we go. So, uh... Bigger than I thought. <laughs> Big one. <laughs> so, but, like... Do you look at writing that way? Do you look at writing a joke? Do you look at the way you write and go, let me change up my st- my style of delivery or my style of insight? Anytime I find a weird way to say something, I'm so impressed. I just want to take myself home and fucking cuddle with me. Like, <laughs> really? Oh, I found a different angle on that. I've been trying to work that bit out. Now I did it in a weird way. Really? Uh, like the, the fucking hooker shit pussy thing. That, <laughs> I was like, I was trying to force it, a whole different way of saying that. And again, just every now and then you get that, oh, fuck, I know. That's why I've, like, I will never not write something down where yeah. I go, because this might be my last idea. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually you're going to become, you know, sh- shecky, whatever. I was talking to Friars Al- Club guy. I was talking to Al Madrigal today. And he said to me, "Oh yeah, I, he was he he met us at Bill Burr after coming from here. We tag teamed." Yeah, he was like, uh, "He was like, listen, I um, he's like, I don't want to be the fifty year old fucking. Con- I don't. I mean, he said an ex- a specific name. Stanhope? No, 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 John Fox. no. No one's ever going to use you. It's going to be the guy that is doing the same act that was big in the eighties and then never capitalized on the thing in the eighties." And wrote it through the '90s, and then and he named the guy or a couple guys. He's like, I want to make. He goes, I want to be done doing stand up at fifty. I don't want to be done doing stand up at fifty, but I want to make sure that I'm doing it my way. Does yeah, I, I want to. I want the ability to quit. I, yeah. I, the the idea of quitting is so alluring to me. I've said this for years. Just that that freeing feeling when you quit a job when you're a kid and you're like, you know, fuck it, I quit, and you just dump your apron in the fucking parking lot, and uh. that liberation. You did that with clubs. What was the what was the what was the fucking breaking point of clubs? I didn't. I, it was no breaking point and no specific clubs. Clubs in general. That anyone who was giving me a fucking hard time. Harvey's in Portland was the first one. He would brag to you about how he doesn't have to pay talent because his telemarketing department was so good. He could put anyone on stage 
and it doesn't matter because my people will fill this place. What other club has this many people? Just this hardcore, you won free tickets. So you get the biggest rubes, fucking marks on the midway coming in. Who don't know what they're coming in to see. Doesn't watch the show, and he would read the comment cards and bring in the office. Yeah. Like you should be wearing a name tag on stage. And that was the first place I went, I could fucking put 100 people in Dante's. For, I do eight shows here, and maybe every night it's full. Maybe there's 20 people that know me and like me. I can find those people. You know, get on my mailing list. Yeah. Go to my website. If I could get 50 people in there for a night, it's 500 bucks. Yeah. Uh, 10 bucks a head. And I'm like, why don't, let's do this everywhere. I used to call it barnstorming. <laughs> let's go barnstorming. There wasn't a it's, name for yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not about, and that, but then there was, the, what, there was the thing with Rouse that happened. Like, Rouse got bumped, I want to say, from Penguins. Oh, oh yeah, Penguins? yeah. No, it was South Bend, Indiana. Uh, it was a funny bone. He showed up there, drove from Los Angeles to South Bend, Indiana. I worked this story. I want to hear this story. By the way, Rouse is, I wish I had had the fucking insight to invite Rouse over. He's one of the, and, I, and only because he did chime in on that tweet. He was like, I'll come over, I'll bring the Coke, as a joke. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> but like, Sean Rouse is another of what, what was technically called and, and if you're new to podcasting and you're new to stand-up you're listening to this there's a lot of doug stanhope work you need to do there was a tour call on being dead <laughs> the unbookables the unbookables was the next group of guys that i now know to be fucking genius comics like guys that no rules no fucking not not corporate guys they were not getting I, good I know. colleges the, the, the no rules part was the downfall no rules as in i don't have to be able to talk when i get to the stage sometimes i don't know i don't need to know how to get on a plane who was was it james ingram or was it ingram. andy andy who said i remember working in atlanta with him and i was really excited and i was like dude i'm a i'm a fan I'm a fan of Stan Hopes. I'm a fan of the Unbookables. And he had this look in his eyes. I think he'd just come back from, like, Helsinki with you. And he was like, yeah, man, I, I did a, a fucking bump of coke on stage. And, that uh, was Brett Erickson. Brett Erickson. And he goes, <laughs> I did a bump of coke on stage. I have a kid, man. I, I, I've been thinking about that a lot lately. <laughs> and I, was like, I was like, yeah, but that's why I like you. And he goes, yeah, but... Yeah, Erickson's supposed to be moving out here. He is he? Finally, his last kid left the coop. He was the unbookable that was very bookable, but he was in a really ugly relationship where custody battle. Yeah. So he had he couldn't leave Peoria, Illinois, and it's uh, hard to. And you were friends with the dude. You were friends with the dude who uh, fell off the fell off the overpass. Brett Clausen, yeah. Brett Clausen. Yeah. I only yeah. I only knew him via uh, very funny dude Andy Smith. Oh, chick, yeah, yeah, she's great, KC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but you, you, wait, you introduced wait, is so Casey. Uh, I think so. I think right. she's still there. She had a baby. She's going back on the road. Right. I'm interested to see her material about being a mom because I don't think anyone writes the way she does. I'm interested to see that. Um, but, so what I'm saying is, if you're listening to this, and I fucking forgot the question I was gonna, I, I'd asked you, but if you're Unbookables. Yes, if you're listening to this, there is a, a, a fucking book's worth of work you need to re- research on Stanhope because there are a lot of guys working today. And, and I'm not – Brendan Walsh is here because he's Brendan Walsh. But I know him because of you. And, he, and, and maybe and – and, 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 and he is Brendan Walsh. He is definitely fucking Brendan Walsh. I'm not taking anything away from Brendan. But you maybe were the first guy that was like, God, you got something really special, man. You're really fucking talented. Well, yeah, I just gave him an opportunity to make shit money <laughs> move to L.A. Like – I, yeah. I I always begrudged people who took credit for Bud Friedman. 
Yes. I discovered this guy. I was yeah. fucking doing shit. Like, I hate people that take credit. Like By John the way, Fox did for me when I like I didn't even work with you, you motherfucker. I've always begrudged people to do that too, and I just did it to Brendan. And I, I'm trying to say, but I feel yeah. like that. I like I want to take credit. Like I see, I told you, I want to be the see, yeah. I told you guy. I, I'm not taking credit, but I, I'm glad you noticed. I picked up on all those guys, and all those guys. As soon as you said, I got this guy with me. The guy, Junior Seau, not Junior Stopka, Junior Stopka, Junior Seau. Yeah, Junior Stopka. Like I had to fucking. Not bring him out on this tour because you got to. You'll. I know you will find this place of comfort here. Yeah, you got to be headlining. You're a fucking monster, and you. If 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 I just keep bringing you out on the road to open for shit money, you'll you'll be happy there. Yeah. So let's go back. So Rouse is someone I discovered through you, and I went and watched him live. It was you want to talk about a fucking monster show? Sean Rouse, Daniel Tosh, Zach Galifianakis. And I was on it also. I'm by, by the way, I'm no part of the monster, but that was a fucking show. I brought my wife. She didn't laugh at Sean. She didn't laugh at Tosh. And she oh, only laughed at funny. one joke that Zach said, and it was, uh, "Well, you know, <laughs> you know, it's time to, you know, it's time to do laundry when you get out of the shower and dry off with a shoe." And that was the only joke she laughed at. Oh, that hurts. And so, and but, I didn't know you had kids. You noticed I've ignored the fucking <laughs> kid conversation. I just keep looking at that door in terror that they're going to come through here. Uh, maybe I don't know. The, uh, anyway, I don't know the pickup time. But the, that's fucking brutal that your wife doesn't laugh. She doesn't. She would laugh hanging out with you. Um, no, no, I don't no, care about she, me. But she's not like, uh, she's not like, um, she doesn't find things funny easily. She's that not, would be impossible for me to live with. It's, uh. But then again, you don't bring her on the road. No, you know what though? It, it's, I, I dated chicks that found me funny. And what I found was. And it was like they would always – this sounds really crazy. They would always refer to me as my nickname. They would never refer to me as Bert. They would always call me, oh, B-Man, or like, oh, the machine. And I was, and I was never you're like – the crusher. I've been yeah. calling you the crusher. Yeah, the, I'll take the crusher. All right. But, but like Leanne, well, the first time she saw me do comedy, she was like – I was like, what did you think? She's like, I think you're funnier than that personally. So like, <laughs> so like when I wrote my book, when she would be like, that's funny, I'd be like, oh, fucking thank God. So, like, it's it's nice to have someone who does not find, like, and she grew up in a very small rural Baptist town. So, like, someone like Sean Rouse, she's never going to get Sean. She's never going to get Tosh because she sees Tosh as, she sees Tosh as a closeted, a closeted gay man who can't come out of the closet. And I go, Leanne, that's the joke. Yes. That's the fucking joke. Uh, and she's like, I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah. But, um, but uh, so, you... Are the first person that introduced me to Rouse. Bob Biggerstaff tells me how, how brilliant Rouse is, yeah. and then very shortly after is the story of Rouse doing the show. Rouse doing the show. It's better that you tell the story. The South Bend. He got fucked over. He drove out to work this comedy club that's no longer in existence. Some fucking cunt ran it. Yeah. And uh, so he goes up the first night, and he has. Uh, I'm assuming it's the classic. Kobe Bryant didn't know how to rape chicks because he never went to college. God, I, think th- I, I wish I remembered that I joke because I was one I, of them. I, I think it was that joke, and I think it was rape crisis counselors were in the audience. It might have been abortion joke. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure. If I'm incorrect, the parameters are accurate. Yes. So he goes up, and they fucking cause a ruckus, and this guy's offensive. So they fire Rouse. Knowing that they hired Rouse for what Rouse does fired him and didn't pay him for the fucking... They paid him for the one show that he did. And then he drove 
what's that, 1,400, 1,800 miles? Yeah. And they go, you're fired, fuck you, you get no money? And he stayed, if I'm correct, because I worked for this feature. And he had to stay in the condo. He had to stay in the condo with the feature who then took over the headlining spot. I worked with the feature, and, oh. I, and I don't mean to shit on the feature, but I remember the, he was like, yeah, I was the feature for that show. And I was like, you I was there? No, 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 no. Uh, like, oh, uh, um, two months, 20, right. like 20 months later, I'm working with the guy who was like, oh, no, no, I was the feature for that show. I was like, interesting. So he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rouse was not to blame. It was not, a, it was not that bad of a joke. These people went, lost their minds. And then yeah. he's like, wait, have you, did you hear what Stanhope did? And I was like, no. I get hired to, and again, one of these bookings that you take knowing that it's really inappropriate, but hey, they offered. So yeah. I'm going to do the Bob and Tom tour. Bob and Tom radio. Wait, had you had you done Bob and Tom before? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would go out and. Was this when Bob and Tom were dirtier? No, no, I, I would tone it down, yeah. and they would, if I said something a little too spicy, they'd go, whoa, we're going to lose our license in the <laughs> mm-hmm. They were very nice off the air. Bob yeah. and Tom are great dudes. Yeah, yeah. I really like them. I'm going to do them uh, in next week. Yeah, but I'm yeah. not, they're, they're, the people they talk to in the Midwest want to hear Haywood Banks, goofball, Gallagher comedy. I'm, I shouldn't be on the tour, but I am. So I play South Bend, and all I know about it is this is the place that fucking cunt from the funny bone fucked over my friend. So I just opened with that, and I, I, I filled in with that. I closed with that. Just this fucking don't ever go to the funny bone. This fucking and I did this uh, uh, an old bit that <laughs> I kind of rewrote. The funny bone, the South Bend funny bone rapes babies, and like just every <laughs> she was in the audience evidently. Yeah, and there, uh, I offended a sponsor. Anyway, I got cut from the tour. Best for everyone involved. Well, it's, it, it was it was a very popular tour, but I, I I I think it was made most popular by guys like you and Tosh. There was a couple comics that I was on the bill with that were siding with the fucking club owner after I explained the story in detail. Really? Well, because they knew her and they she booked them. Oh, no I'm names. Waiting for this to be over because I'm dying another fucking names. Let's walk and get cigarettes. I got to piss. You got it here. Let's hit we'll pause. We'll talk all the shit we can't say on the air. Let's hit pause and we'll come yeah. back. Yeah. I'll put some beers on ice. Yeah. Let's and walk. we'll get. I'll get a cigar. We'll get some pack of cigarettes. Yeah. All let's right. Do it. Perfect. Pause. All right. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.